hello, and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 102, and this is the big one. It's the favorite episode every year. This is the one where we talk about our top 10 films of the year of our Lord 2021. Can't wait to get into the lists, but uh, it's an extra big show this year. Let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts. Tom, what's going on, bud? Welcome. Just chilling. How's everybody doing? Good, 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 good. Travis, hello. Welcome. Welcome. Excited to be here. Good. Good to hear. And extra special guest. You know and love her from the Digest. It's Paris. Hey, Paris. What's up? Hey, I'm just like super stoked to be here, you guys. We uh, decided, you know, it's uh, it's a big episode. You're part of the Digest family. I mean, you've always been part of the Digest family because you uh, were one Aww. of our frequent guest hosts back in the early times. But uh, now, you know, you're promoted to the big leagues. This is huge. How you feel? <laughs> there is a lot of pressure um, today. I was running late already, so I feel like I'm already a little bit in the doghouse. Got to make it up. Got to make it up. Yikes. Pressure it's... makes diamonds, Paris. <laughs> I feel like that means I'm going to squeeze diamonds out of my butt. So That's I don't love that, but um, <laughs> well, that sounds cool to me. Uh, we'll see what happens. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, the gang's all here. Let's go ahead and transition. Uh, before we go over the lists themselves, let's have a brief conversation about the year at large. So... 2021 was an interesting year for movies in that, you know, things opened back up. So people were going to see movies again. Um, And a lot of the movies that came out this year were supposed to have come out the year prior. So there was a bit of a... Ooh, woof. Whoa. <laughs> a little indigestion. Way to there. start the day. Whoops. It's probably because I'm already... I had a, a whiskey... Pepsi before and now I'm drinking a Manhattan so it's probably the a, whip whiskey, a whiskey Pepsi, Pepsi? well I would gross. say whiskey coke but it wasn't coke I'd be lying so that's the gross part that it wasn't coke well I know you don't have to tell me but that's what came with my Jersey Mike's order okay <laughs> a whoopsie. The pick. <laughs> oh yeah and you are a coke guy for the record right Matt I love coke dude I'm a ice huge cold? coke head uh yes ice cold none of that lukewarm soda bullshit yeah. Absolutely not. It's got to be chilled or it is not worth drinking. That's, that's where I be able to on, skate across it. On pop. Absolutely. <laughs> a little bit of slush, you know, like two hours in the freezer. Get that like film of slush around the outside. Then you like squeeze the bottle and you get like Coke Icy's. Oh, oh, man. God. That you can oh, yeah. get at the theaters. The See, I'm not I a huge it. fan of those, but. I saw a recipe for um, uh, make ahead and freeze ahead martinis that I'm definitely making this summer. So they just they just flirt with that line of too much alcohol to freeze so that they 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 reach slushy status. I'm I'm pretty excited about this idea. Uh, martinis don't take very long to make. Why why freeze? Yeah, it? but if they're already in the freezer ready to go cuz you need them ice cold. How do you drink like it Coca-Cola. though? If it's frozen. No, no, no. You get them in slushy status cuz they have a high alcohol content. So so they don't completely I mean, a freeze a real over. martini, like a traditional martini, probably can't even freeze. Right. So you have to add enough. I don't know what they what they put in it. I have, I'll have to take another look. But water? I don't know. Sounds kind of lame. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not convinced. But 
You'll have to let me know how that. That's gonna be great. Fuck yeah. Um, 2021. Anyway, back back to where we were before I burped. Um, 2021. Um, what do you guys think of the year? As a whole, I've seen a lot of chatter about how this was like a fucking monumental, amazing year for movies, and I'm what? I'm not there. I'm not there. I want to hear what you guys think, though. Uh, I'll start. I'm not quite there either. Uh, I do think it is an improvement on last year, at least. Yes, um, for sure. But last year was kind of an outlier year because of the delays and all that. So right, can't completely blame. 2020 for having a shit film year but uh this one was definitely a step up but it is still feeling a little lackluster compared to previous years um especially like the first few years we did the podcast i think we got some really solid years but these last couple have been a little lackluster and you could probably blame that partly on the pandemic but um in regards to my list i'm really like the top five is solidified five or six through ten um, obviously like them more than the rest, but, uh, I could definitely see some of those, you know, 11 to 15 range sneaking in and stealing a couple spots, but this is the list as of now. Very cool. Um, Tom, what about you? Last year it was a uh, historic cause you had uh two, two star <laughs> movies in your top 10. <laughs> so yeah, I hope this year big. was a step up. Uh, it was a step up, but I mean, I, I I don't pretend to have watched a lot of movies this year, so I, I don't know. People can take my opinion for what it's worth, but um, I don't think it was a very strong year for movies. I'm not like super excited about my top 10, and uh, I wasn't really that compelled to watch a lot of stuff that came out, and some of the things that I was excited for sort of fell flat, So um, at least for me. So... I was mostly bummed out by the year. Definitely <laughs> a way bigger TV year for me than movies. I I loved a lot of TV that came out in 2021, but uh, not so much the flicks. I do need to mention that it has recently come to my attention that the best show, television show of 2021, you did not like and you did not finish. Is this right, Tom? Can you? That's uh, right. Confirm? I didn't love it. Yeah. This is Yellow Jackets we're talking about, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris? Best show of the year. High praise, Matt. Oh, for sure. The best show of the year. Did you was watch Mare of Paris? Easttown this year? Oh, was Mare of Easttown? The- yeah. That Plus was a 2021. Succession year. season three. Uh, that was pretty good. <sighs> Successions for hipsters. Am I right? Real quick, though, Tom, back to your year in film. Um, mm-hmm. I know you're not as obsessive about this as at least Matt and I are, but um, can you give us a rough count for how many movies you saw so we know what we're working with here? Uh, I think I watched about 15, and I have five <laughs> half watches. Five half watches? Is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. Like, well, any half watches? And that's, that's 2021 releases. I watched other non-2021 movies. But, well, yeah. Um, yeah. So only five <laughs> didn't make the cut. <laughs> that's right. Awesome. Well, I watched a lot. So, um, but yeah, I'm very, very excited to hear these lists. <laughs> Well, how many did you watch? I feel like, you know, average oh. average person in America, I at least doubled them. 
I'm not an average person. <laughs> I know you're we, not. I'm, we figured this out a long time. Give me the number. <laughs> let's hear the number. Uh, yeah, let's hear your number. According to my calculations, 122. Get fucked, but are you serious? Fuck. Yeah. 122? That's oh too many. Oh, my God. And half of them were a waste of my time. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I saw 73, and I felt pretty decent about that. God. So it looks like, per the internet, the average person watches about seven movies per month. I told you. But I'm not sure per if that month? means new movies or regular movies. Probably it's just in general, yeah. That's probably general. Yeah. So maybe, Tom, if you'd say like half of that would probably be new movies. Yeah. Seven movies a month. That seems high, doesn't it? I don't believe that at all. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. What's your source like, there, uh, Paris? The internet ah, is yes. my <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's some janky, like, not good source, so I'd have to actually look it up. But I was trying to do some on-the-spot reporting, you guys. Sorry. I think my list is um, fucked up for movies I watched this year because I added a bunch of reviews for stuff for the top 100 that I would just, like, thought about and then gave a star rating. So I think it, like, really ballooned the number of movies i claimed i watched this year hmm. interesting mm-hmm. or no no it didn't because i didn't put them in my diary i just gave them a star rating right yeah those don't count right interesting hmm. um paris let's hear uh your uh general uh thoughts on on the year and your, i want to hear your number too what was your uh your final count <laughs> what's your number <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i don't know it's kind of weird for me because I'm probably more in between of y'all where my average I looked back is closer to like 30 movies uh, normally in theaters each year and this year I think I watched like two or three in theaters and the rest at home um honestly it was a weird year for me because up until like the beginning of December I had three Marvel movies in my top 10 and like not much else that I felt strongly about. Gross. It was a lot. So I like had to like seek out. I mean, I am a Marvel person, but I like I, I felt like I had to seek out the interesting stuff, the good stuff, the stuff that was going to push um, kind of like Travis. A lot of stuff didn't didn't really live up to ex- expectations for me. Um, I watched 42 movies in this year, which is basically double Tom, double of Tom. last year. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Or not doubled last year. It's like 10 more. It's like 10 more than I do on average every year. I usually watch about 30, 35. Very cool. All right. Well, it runs the whole gamut from uh, 15 full watches and five half watches all the way up to 150 films watched. 122. uh, All right. Pretty pretty cool spread. I'm curious to see uh, what these lists look like. Um, I bet there is not going to be as much overlap this year as maybe years past. Just a hunch, but I think uh, I think we're gonna have a pretty eclectic mix coming up here. But let's. Uh, By the way, I checked and it was 17 2021 releases. So nice. <laughs> Matt, sold myself guessing... a little short there. I'm guessing we have three picks that overlap. Three? Yep. No more, no less. Three. Interesting. Between all four of us? No, no, no. Matt and I specifically. Mm. Tom, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what you watch. I don't even year. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I think it's safe to assume I wasn't but. looking up the, uh, you know, uh, whatever Sundance Award winner that I had to go to an indie theater in Seattle to watch. So yeah, I didn't do that much either. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I live in Lake Stevens now, so those trips to Seattle. I'm just saying. I think you can guess it. what I saw. You right, yeah, but uh, and we know the Matrix didn't make your list. Do you? Nor should it. <laughs> well, based on your score and how many movies you saw, I'm gonna say no. It didn't make your list, but I could be wrong. Book, yeah. All, All right, right, we just got to get into it. Come on, guys. let's do it. All right, without further ado, we're gonna be talking our top ten films of 2021. If this is your first time joining us for one of these, we do it round table style. So we're just going to go 10, 10, 10, 10, 9, 9, 9, 9, until we get all the way down to numero uno. None of this bullshit where we, you know, circle back so that we can talk about it all at once. We just count them down. So we're uh, purists around here when it comes to lists. So. That's what the structure is going to look like. And without further ado, Tom is going to be kicking things off. Tom, what is your number 10 <laughs> film of the year? Let's get it started, buddy. <laughs> My number 10 of 2021 uh, was a three-star watch for me. <laughs> it's called Bad Trip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Great movie. Great movie. <laughs> it is a great movie. <laughs> uh, you know... It didn't all hit for me in this movie, but what did was really funny, and I don't know. It was a good time, uh, feel-good movie, and a pretty shitty winner, so uh, bad trip. Made the list. Candidate for scene of the year with uh, the gorilla uh, at the zoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Honestly, it was on my list for the first at least half of the year or so, but then good movies started to come out, and it just dwindled down. But uh, yeah, Look, it's a fine the- movie. It it just hey, great comedy a little though. longer on mine, yeah, love it. It is one one of the better comedies of the year for sure. Cool, cool. All right, that's number ten. Paris, you're next. Let's hear your number ten pick. So my number ten is also a comedy. I went with Plan B. Um, mm. I don't know that if every year this would have made it into the top ten for me, but um, it was a solid comedy. You know, had all the trappings of a good super bad or even um, what was that most recent one? Booksmart. Booksmart. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a you know I always love a good road trip movie. It was fun in that way. It was easy. It had some. I think the only part maybe I didn't love was the little bit of a heavy commentary. Um, uh, I don't think it quite fit with the tone, but other than that, it was a solid, nice to watch, easy movie. I wasn't on my phone during it when I watched it at home, so solid ten. Nice. Plan B is cool. Wasn't, I like Plan B. Wasn't a uh, unpregnant last year? Very similar. Yes, pretty pretty similar uh, premises. I think I preferred yeah, but unpregnant. That one wasn't but, uh, a comedy, right? No, yeah, unpregnant was. was a comedy. Oh, okay. A dark comedy. Both were solid, though. I did like Plan B, a decent amount. Uh, they're they're about equal. I might I might go Plan B between the two of them, but Unpregnant was also very funny. But that was a different year, so let's move <laughs> on. Uh, I'm next. My number ten. 
Um, I don't think this will be controversial at all. It's uh, The Matrix Resurrections coming in at number 10. Wow, you had um, to make a spot. All three of you uh, love this movie, right? Huge. Paris, I'm, I know I'm you're a fan, it. right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> what was your star rating, Paris? We haven't heard your thoughts on it. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you guys talked about this last time, so I don't want to like go too much into it or whatever, but like, this movie was bad. Uh, someone said one of their friends fell asleep during it. One of my friends also fell asleep while we were watching it. Like I it fell was asleep. not. And my brother-in-law fell asleep. Yeah. Oh there god. Yep. Did anyone yep. finish it? <laughs> I, I mean, I watched yeah. it all the way through. I gave this two stars. It was bad. It was just. It was just not a good movie. And I like the original Matrix. And yeah, it was bad. So The Matrix Resurrections is one of the most creative and interesting blockbusters that we've ever ever had. (laughs) Um, Just (laughs) what what a movie. An absolute (laughs) spectacle. So that's it had to make the list. It had to make the list. Number 10, The Matrix Resurrections. All right. Coming in hot. I don't know how you guys let him get away with this. Coming in hot could be controversial for different reasons, but my number ten is Nine Days, and Ooh. I was not quite sure where to put this one. Maybe it deserves to be a little bit higher, but uh, again, didn't know where to put it, so just kind of stuck it in there at the end. Um, but I really <laughs> liked the uh, concept of it. Thought it was uh, smart to do it in the way that they did it um because of the budget i think it'll age better with uh this approach although yeah part of me wanted a little like you know bigger design or a little more going on with the production of it but i do think it was ultimately the right choice to do it how they did it um and i also liked how many themes were at play in regards to life and the human experience and uh, some really good performances and some really touching moments. And uh, it's just a good reminder to enjoy things in life, especially the little things. Absolutely. Very well said. That uh, I can't speak for the rest of the people on this show, but that will uh, <laughs> not be the last time that that movie comes up. So It will not. Oh, yeah. Tom, did you, did you get a chance to watch Nine Days? No, I think Sarah and I are actually going to watch it tonight. Oh man, too late. Well, <laughs> we'll have to put in a we'll have to put in a postscript on the <laughs> when the episode goes live. I'll I'll record a, a little bin a bonus uh, addendum. Let's just say I'm probably going to like it more than I like bad trip. bad trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's move on to number nine. Tom, what is your number nine film of the year? Uh, my number nine is the French dispatch. Um, not a lot of surprises here, uh, as far as like a Wes Anderson film goes, but definitely not very high on my list of his films. Um, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's nice to look at. It's really dry though. And uh, like especially dry for him. And, um, the vignettes were a cool idea, but I don't know, just not as um, emotionally uh, interesting or, or captivating as some of his other movies. But it's a it's a good movie. It has a, a lot of 
you know, good moments and good performances. And the cast is pretty impressive as it always is. Which uh, vignette was your favorite? What was the first one again? Remind me. The first one I think was the one with, uh, like the painter Benicio and, uh, yeah, that was, the, that was my favorite. Um, I'm going to call an audible real quick uh, and go slightly out of order because The French Dispatch is also my number nine film of the year. Um, so might as well what, what? talk about it at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like mid-tier Wes Anderson for me, but that's still saying a lot because he's one of my favorite filmmakers. So um, I, I really love the way that it looks. I mean, it's been described as being like the most... Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson movie, which, you know, I think is, is appropriate. It's very uh, stylized for sure, especially with the different vignettes that we're doing. Um, but I, th- I thought it was really funny. Loved the way it looked. Um, I, th- I think the performances are, are awesome. My, my favorite is also the Benicio del Toro vignette. My least favorite was probably the, the T-Shall one. Oh, yeah. I wasn't a 100%. huge fan. Uh, the really? Tishon one. It was it was good. I found it interesting, but of the three, that was probably the one I liked the least. Because I think well, my what about favorite the Owen Wilson one. Well, it's not. It's that was not mostly like a, whole... a joke. It's like very short. <laughs> I mean, I love seeing <laughs> Owen Wilson with his little mustache riding around on a bike. I mean, <laughs> definitely a highlight of the film. But um, the Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey Wright is probably my favorite performance in the movie. I think he's mm-hmm. he's really good. Um, and she's not in it much, but um, what's her name? Tilda Swinton as the like hosting those uh, awards or whatever it was. Oh, she was show. hilarious. Oh, yeah. So funny. So funny. Um, so, yeah, maybe a little bit lacking um, like an emotional core compared to uh, some of Wes's other films. But I thought it was it was magical. I, I, I love I love my time with it. Now, Matt, real quick, in regards to your list, uh, mm-hmm. Matrix Resurrections was a four and a half for you, correct? That is correct, yeah. Any five-star movies that didn't make your list? Uh, correct. There are two. Oh. <laughs> busted. <laughs> no, I'm not busted. No busting. Okay. I well, actually, I mean, there was busting, ta- but... Or busting? Since we're talking about this... No, you are busted. A, <laughs> Your list is not busted. <laughs> yeah, Paris, go ahead. I Well, while we're talking about this, I wasn't sure when to tell you guys, but I do have a four and a half star movie on my list that's higher. It's okay. oh, higher than yeah. a five? No, so same. Well, it's <laughs> higher than the fives on my list. The like, fuck, for example, Paris? Plan B. Plan B was a five. So it's higher than that. Um, and I do have fives that aren't on the list. Not allowed. But I'll tell you why when we get there. <laughs> uh, it's but allowed. I knew it was going to come it's up, just... and I knew I was going to get shit for it. So I just well, wanted to... Not how my brain works, but did <laughs> I did have to call Matt out. Listen, okay. I, I we talked that about out it. real early. We... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we talked about it on the show. I was already, even by the end of that review, I was already regretting only going with a four and a half. It's, it's, I'm, I'm pre-watching the rewatch out of five, obviously. And okay. it's just, it's, it's more important to be here. Because full, full transparency, full- the two movies that I gave five stars that didn't make the list were Shiva Baby and Together Together. So I'll mention them again when I do honorable mentions, but 
Thank God. Just for transparency's sake. Oh, Shiva Baby was <laughs> no. so miserable. Oh, Shiva Baby rules. Maybe no, I, I did have. like Shiva Baby, but uh, Together, Together, come on, man. I love that movie, dude. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't make the list, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, right. Paris, sorry, I think one of us cut you off, probably me. Were you about to say something? I was, but it's fine. Right, let's move on. <laughs> um, so we went out of order there, so... Paris, what is your number nine? My number nine is almost guaranteed to not be on anyone else's list. Um, This movie didn't get a ton of, like, anything this year. I don't even know if most people knew it came out this year. It's called The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Now, I will say, yes, it was an Amazon original, I believe. Um... I will say that uh, going into this, I was like, oh, another Nicholas Sparksy, you know, John Green, dumb teenage romance bullshit thing. It was <laughs> it was some of that. It had some cliches, but it took them and spun them all on their head in a way that I really enjoyed. And it was so enjoyable. Like oftentimes in those movies, it's kind of a slog and like the characters aren't very likable. Everyone was likable to the point of fault. I... Watch this with my dad. He cried like a thousand times. Um, <laughs> it was, it was just really nice. And it, I watched it uh, during the summer, and there wasn't a lot going on around that time, movie wise. And to have something that was just really nice in a year that was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on, it felt really really good. It was positive without being overly cliche, and a good watch. Nice. That was one that was on my list of things to watch, but I didn't really prioritize it. So it maybe I should have. Will it make me cry when I watch it? I would say yes. I would say you, Matt, will definitely cry. I would say Tom and Travis will not. Um, (laughs) I honestly wouldn't have watched it if it weren't for my dad being here and wanting to watch it because it seemed kind of like one of those movies I don't watch. But I was very pleasantly surprised and Obviously, if it made it into my top 10, you know, it's definitely worth a watch. Very cool. Well, the map of tiny perfect things. If uh, the PR team is listening to this episode, you're welcome. You can thank uh, Rodney for uh, introducing that to Paris. Yeah. Big Rod Rust. He hates that. He's going to be mad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Travis, you're up. What's number nine? Maybe another controversial pick here. But my number nine is Annette. Ooh. And I don't know if any of you saw this. No, I ran out of time. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, you only had, like, what, six months to watch it? Yeah, you know, I just <laughs> ran out of time, you know? What are you going to do? Fair enough. It has it has been a uh, somewhat polarizing. You you guys know what camp I'm in, obviously, because it's on my list. But uh, love that it swings for the fences. It's uh, not a perfect movie by any means. It's a bit messy and a little wacky. But I was always interested in engaged, which is a huge plus in a movie. Um, I think I'm in the minority, but I did love the music. Um, and I thought both the lead performances were amazing by Adam Driver and, um, oh God, I'm blanking on her name, Marion Cotillard. Marion Cotillard, yes. And I uh, love the look of it, the use of color, um, the scenes of Adam Driver riding his mo- motorcycle at night, really good stuff. Mm. Uh, it gave us Baby Annette, 
And if you guys don't know anything about Baby Annette, um, please educate yourself. <laughs> and uh, I thought the ending was perfect and kind of made the movie. And this movie helped spark my love for the Sparks Brothers. I also watched the documentary directed by Edgar Wright this year, and I'm a big fan of their music. And um, yeah, this was kind of a passion project for them. And they, um, I think they wrote, I think they maybe wrote the script and the music for it. But yeah, it's uh it was just a uh, great Wait, experience for me. Is Annette the baby and not Marion Cotillard? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> the puppet baby? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. How many also the... um, abnormal baby movies came out this year? Yeah, um, Malignant, uh, Annette. What's the other Lamb. one? <laughs> Lamb? Oh, man. <laughs> The theme of twenty of twenty twenty one fucked up babies. Also, maybe don't get pregnant with the other two. Plan B and the other one we were talking about. Right, fucked up people babies feeling, don't get pregnant. People are feeling too good about bringing bringing life into the world these days. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah! All right, well, very cool. I I wish I had uh, made the time for it, but alas, I would I be curious it, what you think of it. It's hard to really, uh, you know, guess how people will react to it. Just one of one of those, huh? Yeah. Cool. I'll, I'll catch up with it eventually. Never. Cool beans. <laughs> <laughs> AKA never. We'll get there though. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to our number eight. Uh, Tom, let's hear it. What's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Luca. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Watched on a whim. Um, Great story. Whim. Didn't we no, fucking Tom. do an episode on <laughs> that was it? one of our only features this year. <laughs> really? On a whim? Yeah, I feel dude, like I turned it on there. on a Saturday morning like I watched it with Vinny. I mean, Just, maybe you did. Did I watch but... it before I knew we were doing the feature? I That's probably think... why I pushed for it. I was probably like, yeah, we should do a feature. <laughs> yeah, you guys, I actually <laughs> watched the <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anyway, uh, maybe I watched it because I had to. But I liked it. Um, loved the setting. Really liked the story. Definitely cried at the end. I think I even cried yeah. the second time I saw it because I did watch it twice. Um, best dad of the year. Also best cat of the year. Um, we mm. talked about that, I think, during the feature. Tom, you've only I seen don't... 15 movies this year. You can't claim that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, you don't have the authority. <laughs> uh, the dad from Titan. Dad from Titan is dad of the year. Yeah, I didn't see Titan. Well, there you go. That's why we're questioning well, your... Uh... Best dads don't you make out with that... their daughters' sons. Hold up. I haven't hold seen on. it. I, I hold want on. I want to. I want to. I don't think there's any making out in there. The, I wouldn't call it a make out, but there is uh, Could we... a kiss. Let's just steer, steer clear of this. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's, this is a conversation maybe for like a bonus episode, best dad of the year. We should also, have thought ahead and made an award. Patreon content. There Matt, you, you got to put dad in quotes when you're talking about Tita. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Spoilers, bud. No, Shut read the down. synopsis. <laughs> Never. Um, well, I guess, uh, yeah. Okay, well, all right, move on. <laughs> so, Luca. <laughs> yeah, you know, you learn about how it's um, it's okay to be different. It's great. Yes, we all it's a, it's a You know, it skews younger in terms of audience for an animated film. But um, 
It's very heartwarming. Did you guys, I, I'm not sure if you talked about it on when you did the feature of it, but did you guys talk about like the overtones of like, you know, man loving man acceptance and some of the like coming out overtones? I don't think you guys talked about that, right? Um, I think we might have mentioned did it. Wait. It's, you know. I know the, the person who created name. it was like, that's not what this is about. But it, it kind of <laughs> felt like, yeah, I kind of had like call me, call me by your name vibes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that subtext is there. I mean, I know. Who 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 said that, Paris? Was it like the, the lead writer or something said that that's the, not there? Yeah, the lead writer, the director was like, that's not what this is about. But I mean, I think it's already could just be the interpretation. Disney. They could also just be saying that because it is technically a Disney movie and, you know, you don't want to upset not. the parents, you know, <laughs> don't want to ruffle any feathers. Totally. I was more curious, Tom, if like you got any of that because I felt like that movie got better for me with with that like subtext. I mean, it's hard not to make the parallel, but I felt like that movie was pretty, at least for me, it was pretty staunchly aromantic. Um, I thought it was more about like, well, the obvi- the the story is obvious. I don't need to tell you what it was about, but um, I just yeah, I didn't really feel like there was much more there to read into aside from the setting and like um, boyhood and um, you know those obvious parallels. It's I mean it's a movie about friendship, but you know, read between the lines, fill in the blanks. There were holes getting filled. <laughs> yeah i just think a lot of those <laughs> a lot of kids movies these days are like really uh deliberate about not introducing romance into their stories because that's all we got for so long you know um totally like brave was one of the first ones that had that whole like that was a huge part of the marketing i felt like so what you're saying is what you're saying is make animated movies horny again is what you're saying. <laughs> Give us Lola Bunny from OG Space Jam. Give oh us God. Uh, Dexter's mom. That's all I need. Yeah, Whoa. Dexter's mom. Dat <laughs> Dexter's ass, mom. Right? <laughs> you guys know what Pinocchio's really about. Wood. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> We it's about boners, Paris. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't like that. Um, where are we? Pick. That was number eight. That was your number eight, Tom, Luca? That's right. Uh, Paris, let's hear your number eight of the year. Yes. My number eight is Spencer. Oh, yeah. I, while I was watching this, I wasn't sure how to feel about it. It's. I think the theme of the year for me, at least in the movies I enjoyed, was high tension. High tension over very low stakes. This wasn't some universe saving, are we all going to get murdered kind of high tension. This is very like, the royal family hates me and I have to figure out how to push through it kind of tension. And somehow it remained engaging for the entire time. And... I don't know a ton about Princess Di other than, you know, kind of some of the conspiracy around how she died and that they got divorced and why. But I just also to see Kristen Stewart 
put on such a performance. I'm always rooting for her. We know she's a good actor since she was in Panic Room as a child. And like, you know, she, I feel like she gets remembered for Twilight in which she basically was a board with like googly eyes painted on it. But <laughs> damn, got him. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but she really does know how to act. And so I'm super glad to like see her in something where she's able to show her full range and this got me. I've I've not really into the whole royal family thing, but it encaptured me. I did a bunch of reading afterward. It's super interesting, beautiful, sad, tense. Had everything, all the emotions you would want. That movie is beautiful. Uh, there was a documentary, yeah. right? Why did I? Why do I? Why have I gotten so much Princess Di content? What am I thinking of? A documentary about Princess Diana. Wasn't like, there re- something like recently? this year? I mean, I'm sure yeah. there's a million about Princess Diana, but I don't think there was one this year. Hmm. I could be wrong, but. Weird. Well, I mean, there was like the Harry and Meghan interview. Well, that's was that was huge. That, that's probably huge. why, if anything, we're getting so much Princess <laughs> Diana content right now. It's because a lot of people are comparing like Meghan Markle to Princess Di. So. Right. A.K.A. she's the queen's next victim. That's what you're implying, right? <laughs> next on the hit list i mean come on it was a hit job just admit it everybody prince the queen had princess diana killed okay we don't need to talk about it but let's just recognize the queen's not actually even alive anymore it's a total weekend at bernie situation do i love people roasting the queen like there was some headline that was like the queen uh uh she's like Transform. It was like she's transforming or something, and they were talking about how she's like <laughs> being reborn, like a caterpillar, like she's like an ethereal <laughs> being who's like <laughs> like also, coming Tom, out of you her cocoon. Uh, there's something called Becoming Princess Diana, which was a 2021 documentary. Mm. I must have watched. I that haven't one, heard Sarah. of it, but all right. Well, there will be more about Spencer to come. Huge. Very cool. All right. Uh, my number eight is a film that I don't, I don't know if anybody else here saw it, um, but I kind of watched it on a whim and ended up loving it. It is Identifying Features. Anybody watch this one? I was curious. So this is... This is a Mexican film. Um, it is about... A mother who lives in Mexico and her son goes to the uh, America and he goes missing. So she goes to the border to try to find him. And it's about her experience with, um, you know, the, the, the culture surrounding immigration and border towns specifically and the interactions that she has with um, people who, you know, are they're not traffickers but she uh, she she interacts with like-minded people who are you know looking for their kids and trying to find what has happened to them so it's um it's a really moving beautiful film uh hard to watch at times but i think it's really important um and i found it uh to be one of the very best of the year so that is identifying features Cool, cool, cool. My number eight is Tick, Tick, Boom. Boo. Emphasis on boo. (laughs) Uh, Andrew Garfield 
maybe gave the best performance of the year? No. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just Sorry. my opinion. Uh, loved his performance. Loved his uh, singing. Loved the music. The music was huge in this one. Uh, and I liked how it was more than just a biopic. It was uh, about like the creative struggle and um, just like trying to find your purpose or like, you know, get where you want to get as an adult um, and just like the struggles of dealing with that. And um, yeah, I just think it was pretty relatable for especially people around our age. And um, yeah, I just had a great time watching it. I'm so curious, Travis, are you usually a musical person? Uh, uh, not, I wouldn't say I'm a music, musical person, but, uh, I don't know, La La Land opened my eyes a little bit, and, uh, I'll definitely give them their fair shake, but I wouldn't consider myself a musical guy, but yeah, two in a row here, so, yeah, don't yeah. hate them, <laughs> and <Annette's laughs> definitely don't like, hate them, <laughs> and that's like a rock opera, so it's not, it's beyond musical, it's all singing, well, I mean, this one's not really, um, like a net in that way but i do like the uh just like the grandness of musicals just like how they're such a like spectacle sometimes and sometimes i just like the like cleverness or creativity of the lyrics and just like the the songs itself but yeah i don't know this one just really worked for me um like i said great performance great music and then just a lot to relate to it is kind of similar in uh well, similar to La La Land, just uh, like choosing your career over, you know, relationships in your life. So that's my number eight. Cool. Was, was not a huge fan of that movie. I, I didn't dislike it, but I do think Andrew Garfield is good in it. But I was not a fan of the music. And I think Lin-Manuel Miranda, Miranda like over-directed the shit out of it. I don't know. I just, the whole thing gave me theater kid vibes. And like, I know that's kind of the whole yes. point of the movie, but I think which is that funny turned me off. <laughs> I am like the polar opposite of a theater, of a kid, theater so. kid. Right. That's why I was so curious. Cause you seem like the kind of person that would have not enjoyed theater kids in high school. You would have put this kid in a locker fucking giving him a, <laughs> no, I was a, a not wedgie, a, <laughs> by any a swirly. Means. You would have been all over this guy. <laughs> I was a theater kid without theater. That's that's the kind of kid I was. <laughs> what? I'm kidding. Just a, come on. It's my number eight. Move on. Let's go. All right. All right. <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay. <laughs> number seven. Tom. What is it? Uh, number seven is The Green Knight for me. Mm. Um, <laughs> I read this as a young man. <laughs> thinking it would be cool um and it was super boring and kind of uh confusing and i was excited because i'd heard good things about this movie and heard it was super cool and super uh, visually interesting but i found the movie to be a little bit too long <laughs> and the story is uh as i remembered a little confusing, a little boring, um, but 
It's, what did you um, like about this movie, Tom? <laughs> He's just less. He's Basically, the last, the last, uh, you know, the final 20, 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> okay, no, yeah, that's no, what I liked about it. I think it really, because um, I don't, I don't think that's in the story. I don't remember if they. Uh, well, I won't spoil anything, but how that was handled in the film, I thought, um, was really good and sort of made it worth, made it worth the watch. Um, yeah. I don't know if I have all that much else to say about it. I just, um, I was, I was ex- really excited for this movie, and it kind of let me down a little bit. But uh, I mean, it's still good. Well, I think expectations do play a huge factor in this movie. Um, I was slightly disappointed with it the first time I watched it, but still dug it. Second time, knew what I was getting into and loved it. And this will not be the last time it is brought up. Definitely not. And I will reserve my thoughts for that time. (laughs) Um, All right. Thank you, Tom. That was number seven, The Green Knight. Paris, what was your number seven of the year? My number seven was the only Marvel film this year to actually make it into my top ten. Spider-Man No Way Home. In what I would argue was Andrew Garfield's better performance. Um, oh, whoa! Fuck. I haven't seen the movie yet, bud. Are you uh, tell- are on. you telling oh, me? Andrew? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Andrew Garfield oh, is oh my Paris! You fucking... at this point you have Tom. Who are you going to say? Tobey Maguire's saying... in it too? Come on! <laughs> no, Tobey Maguire's dead. Tubby? Tubby Maguire? Tubby Maguire is dead. <laughs> they play lovers in the Italian countryside. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. No, okay, we're beyond spoilers at this point. This movie's been out for forever. It's already, like, they're literally doing spoilers as their promo materials now. Like, it's fine. But anyway, um, this, uh, I would say, was not the strongest of the Marvel Spider-Man movies, but it was interesting. Um, without spoiling too much, I will say I feel like it has kind of a Into the Spider-Verse vibe. Maybe to the point of copying that plot and sort of doing it not quite as good. I don't know. I still really loved it. Any Marvel movie that's good will basically be a five in my book. But I will say this is maybe like the second strongest in that in that series. Um, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this movie without spoiling, which obviously I already did a little bit. But it is just a really interesting way of advancing the story and it is really sad um, in certain parts and I don't really want to say too much beyond that because it sounds like Matt already got real riled up. Yeah, oh my god, I can't believe you. Um, very cool. I'm excited to see it. I just didn't prioritize it, mostly because Haley hadn't seen the first two. So we, we watched Homecoming like mm. a month ago and then those movies aren't on Disney Plus because Sony no, owns owns them. They're so on I was Amazon like, Prime, but they will be on Disney Plus soon. Amazon Prime to rent, though, right? They're, you have to. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that's part of the reason why, because I, I have to fork over, you know, four dollars or whatever to watch it. So four dollars. <laughs> yeah. I'm not made of money over here. OK, so I've been postponing it and Haley hasn't been like dying. So I would like to watch it this week, though. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, I'll check dying. it out. I will dying, yeah. say, <laughs> I will say, in preparation for this movie, I did have Kurt 
rewatch the entire well I was a rewatch his were mostly first watches we watched the entire MCU in timeline order in order to have us see this movie so there was a lot of preamble for it god oh. damn I didn't know you were such a Marvel head Paris I mean I did but yeah I don't talk about commitment. it much because like I feel like most <laughs> people are super or... into Marvel or yeah like most people that are super <laughs> into Marvel are like not people I like want to hang out with but sure. I fucking love it. I'm a big old nerd. I love looking at fan theories. I've watched all the shows and all the movies, and I just, I love speculating about it. I love it. I'm do really you, into it. Do you remember that motherfucker who had the audacity to shush us during Civil War? Do you remember that? We watched Civil War together? Yeah. And we were, we were like, briefly talking. And the guy I in front of us, like, full on turned around in his chair and put his finger up to his lips and went, shh. Dude. And we, we both just burst <laughs> into laughter. You don't remember this? We were no. we just cackled at this guy. Like, <laughs> it's fucking Civil Not- War, dude. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Shame he was on only me. on his second watch. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's trying to catch See, it all. That's how I'm trying not to be. I'm trying not to be a fucking neckbeard that shushes people in the theater. Yes. I appreciate that about you, Paris. Yeah. Not being a neckbeard. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, that was number seven for Paris. My number seven. Uh, It's a Paul Schrader joint. It is the card counter. Caught up with this one during Cram Jam and, and loved it. Um, like I knew it had been compared to First Reformed, like there were a lot of parallels, but I was not quite prepared for just what? how many parallels there are. Um, there's a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, First Reformed, you know, one of my all-time favorite films. So I do think First Reformed is a better movie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like Tiffany Haddish in this movie. I think she is distracting and not particularly a good actor. So kind of an odd choice. Could, yeah. In- interesting. It's a very Paul Weirdly Schrader utilized. choice. Uh, wasn't a huge fan. I, I liked the Guantanamo stuff. Um, no, not Guantanamo. It was um, those lenses. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. The, the, the lenses were cool. Yeah. Was it? I thought it was. Um, oh, no, you're. I, wait, I thought it was Tel, Tel Aviv. Wasn't it a prison? Oh, Abu Ghraib, Abu Ghraib, that's yes, what it was. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, um, yes. Different uh, U.S. Uh, prison where torture occurred. We have more? Um, yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> we got them all over. That's our specialty. Um, I that's really specialty, Jesus. Really, really, really liked the movie, though. I thought it was... Uh, I liked the card stuff, but it was more so to illustrate, like, you know, this person who is... Uh, very uh, motivated by just getting through each day. You know what I mean? Like there's a coldness to his approach to cards, which I thought was, was very Paul Schrader. Um, Love the script. I I think Oscar Isaac is maybe like five to 10 years too old for the part. I don't know. Did any, who else saw card counter? Did everybody here see card counter? Old. I think, no, I think he's too old. Well, uh, what, I saw year, what year would that have taken place? That would have taken place like 2002, 2003. And so then he was like, in prison. Right. But Oscar Isaac is like in his late 40s. He's 42. Yeah. So he, so, okay, let's say he was there when he was 20. 
but he would have been younger. Okay. I don't know. It's it, it's a minor thing, but I just I felt like he I was a little. Math. I don't know. Did you love maybe uh, not Captain the best America, Mister USA? <laughs> what? <laughs> Mr. USA, the, the Ukrainian movie. guy, USA. Oh, USA. at the poker. T- yes, that was <laughs> yes. that was huge. Yeah, love that guy. Um, really, really good movie. Not as good as First Reform, but I'm glad I made the time for it. I, I thought it was really, really interesting take on some of those themes of, uh, you know, crisis of faith, an older man trying to maybe uh, reckon with his past and try to do good reckon with uh you know america's past you make him ways. sound so old he's not old he's old okay very old oscar he isaac is rules though nine years older than me matt so thank you i was gonna say he's barely older than us <laughs> he's still a millennial 42 is still a millennial like i'm no, sorry it isn't yes it is 42 that's not millennial. yes it is no it's fringe fact check fringe it <laughs> fact check it fringe He's Gen Xer for sure. All right, big Gen X vibes from Oscar Isaac. Okay, <laughs> you I done with that. your number seven, Matthew? Yeah, you're last up on the number seven. All so right. right, my number seven. Get ready to boo, Matt. It is Red Rocket. Oh <laughs> my god! All right, I'll let you go first, but I got things to say. All right, go for it. Uh, so. Really dug this one. Thought it was very entertaining and funny. Uh, it is kind of similar to Uncut Gems and Good Time with just uh, how tense and uncomfortable it can be. And just like a charming main character that is tough to root for but almost tricks you into rooting for them until you don't. But um, love the look of it. Some great shots of the uh, like construction site or plant nearby where they were filming and um this is probably my favorite sean baker movie it feels kind of like a mashup of tangerine and um florida project maybe it doesn't have as important of a message as those movies uh but yeah i thought uh simon rex was amazing we don't really see him in roles like this so it was cool to see him in a lead role like this and nail it and uh, loved the use of the first-time actors. Thought it felt authentic, and just thought they did a good job of like rounding out the characters in the story. And the last thing I'll say is there's a great use and cover of NSYNC's "Bye Bye Bye" in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, love that. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you took the time, Travis, because um, I I was while you were talking, um, just alerting the FBI uh, <laughs> that you are a kid diddler, and they're probably oh a couple uh, moments away from breaking down your doors. Um, thank you for outing yourself. Huge fan. Um, <laughs> huge fan. <laughs> I really had a negative reaction to this movie. Um, I have been skeptical of Sean Baker. Love Tangerine. Mm. Florida Project was a movie that I tried to make myself love and just couldn't do it. It just, he has been criticized. The word that has been used to describe Sean Baker's work is poverty tourism. And I wasn't on board with that designation. I thought it was a little unfair to Sean Baker. Until this movie. Um, I am team uh, poverty tourism at this point. It just... 
I, I'm not against making movies about dirtbags, okay? I love trash. You all know this. So you can make a movie about a shitty person. That's not my issue. My issue with the movie is that above all, I didn't find it funny. Like I've had, I've seen a lot of people describe this as like the funniest movie. That's where you fucked up, Matt. I just really did not find following this character around. Interesting. I, it just, I really was struggling to find what is the point of this movie. Like you can make a movie about a shitty person, but there's nothing beyond that for me that redeems the fact that you made a whole movie about a child groomer. I just, by the end of it, but I don't literally the plot of the movie is Simon Rex is a former porn star and he's grooming a 17 year old girl to be in porn with him so that he can make a bunch of money. But that's the you plot make it of the sound movie. as if this like he's done this more than once. We don't know. Wait, Sean Baker not, or Simon no, Rex? No, no, no. Simon Rex's character. <laughs> <laughs> well, specific. You don't. Just I mean, once is gross. Enough. It's enough. No, no, it definitely is. I'm not defending the character of the movie, but like you make it sound like he's done this more than once, and like he is a shitty person, and that that is kind of the point of the movie. But like. He's just looking for his next like meal ticket and he basically takes advantage of her, which yes, like that is terrible, but that's not why I like the movie. <laughs> no, I get that. I mean, I hope not. Like I, you know, the fact that he's a hustler, fine. Like I get that, but this movie isn't say- actually saying anything. Like for me, there's no commentary or insight beyond this guy is oh, a shitty on, person Matt. and there's no comeuppance like why why do it i want to pretty see obvious with what it was trying to say like with the donald trump stuff like it's, don't get me started on the uh, donald yeah, trump stuff i'm just i mean yeah it's pretty obvious with what he was trying to go for <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it's just like it's so I, surface level like oh yes we get it there are shitheads out there who trick people and manipulate people to become rich and powerful like i but get rem- it. remember at the end of the day this is fiction and it's a movie so yes like, you know i don't know uh, like sure you can bring your politics into this but like i don't think it's a bad movie just because like there is kid diddling or however you want to put it like <laughs> I, that doesn't automatically just make it you don't just automatically write it off because there's a bad character doing bad things in a movie no that's, that's all not, I'm, I agree with you I'm not writing this movie off like I don't have a moral <laughs> issue with what this did you movie. say to me Matt on Instagram when I said boo to your two and a half or whatever you said something along the lines of like it was all downhill from the beginning. You wrote it off in the first scene. No, I was saying that <laughs> you it hated beats. the use of bye bye bye. No, 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 no. I love the Instagram? use of bye bye bye. No, what I'm saying is I loved, like, I loved the opening. I loved the bye bye bye. I loved the intro, mm-hmm. and it was all downhill from there because that was basically the only part of the movie I liked. Is what I meant by that. It's fair enough. I I mean, I just, I don't have a moral issue with the movie. My issue was that it wasn't trying, for me anyway, saying anything profound or interesting about these characters. And I'm tired of the excuse of, oh, well, we don't get to see movies about people like this. Like, giving him a pat on the back because he's making a movie about poor people. Like, get fucked. 
he's a rich boy who went to Tish in New York City, and he's a this, privileged fuck. So don't sounds, even get me started. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> say what you will, but your take on this movie sounds agenda-driven. <laughs> I am nothing you, if not agenda-driven, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you've made up your mind, and you have your, your thoughts and feelings on it, and... That's fine, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Thought it was a fun yes. romp, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not worshiping this character. I don't think what he did was uh, particularly, you know, great. But uh, I, I had a great experience watching the movie. So I get it. Keep, do- keep doing your thing, Sean Baker. Oh, a lot Matt of people can like just uh, find his own lane. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I'll find Spring my Breakers own lane. three. Yeah, I can't wait. 3.0. <laughs> I can't wait for the, the Sean Baker, Harmony, Corinne collab. It's going to be huge. Oh, man. <laughs> Filmed on an It's iPhone. inevitable. Get me a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was Red Rocket. Sorry to sidetrack that a little bit, but uh, I just... You're you know, fine. I had, I had thoughts. Um, I still love you. Red Rocket <laughs> rules. Moving on. Uh, so does Matrix Resurrection. Yeah, dude. <laughs> fist bump, virtual fist bump. I'm right there with you. <clears throat> All right. Number six. Let's go ahead and chug along. Tom? Judas and the Black Messiah is my number six movie. Uh, the standouts for me are the performances, um, especially Daniel. Um, you can still hear him given that impassioned speech. Oh, yeah. Um, Even a year later. That movie came out like, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it feels like that of, movie two years ago. That I movie. know. In terms of 2021 movies, it came out a long time uh, ago. It's the oldest 2021 film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, this movie would have been... I, I don't know. It, it It's not higher for me just because I think the actual story and some of the um, the realities of our own history was the more um, compelling part of the experience than the the film itself. Um, So, you know, that's why it's not higher. But uh, it's a really good movie, um, really interesting story, and uh, good performances. Really good movie. I took issue with the fact that they kind of erase the fact that Fred Hampton was a communist. Don't that's a very America thing to do. <laughs> Just kind of glaze over the fact that oh yeah, by the way, Fred Hampton was a Marxist. Uh, but you know, it's all right, man. Enough, enough that, of your commentary <laughs> on our pit. <laughs> I'm fucking on one today, dude. What's next? Keep them coming. Um, we need to make a new rule where Matt can't go on. He can't go on. No tangents after watching a movie. Like no, no reading up. Hey, no, 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 no. Context. He has to take the movie out of its No face. Wikipedia. Hey, I am terminally online, okay? For better or for worse. So, you know, good movie, but, you know, I don't like the fact that they glaze over the fact that he is a I don't feel like okay? that was glazed over, Matt, watching it recently. Mm. Like, that's a pretty strong... It introduced me to that. They have a lot of socialist uh, values in there, and I was like... Oh, I didn't realize like that was what Fred Hampton was about. Maybe even what that Black Panther chapter was about. Like, I thought it introduced me to that. So fuck you, bud. Mm. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Very cool. All right, gloves are off. Yeah, the rest of the picks. We're fucking in it to win it now. All right. Not even halfway through. 
Paris, what is your number six? My number six, we just talked about this uh, card counter. I was shooketh by this movie. Um, Based on what you talked about, it really made me want to watch First Reformed. Um, I, at first, I wasn't sure quite what to expect. I really, I'd seen maybe one trailer about it. I was like, okay, it's Oscar Isaac counting cards. I'm in, love Oscar Isaac. And it totally wasn't about that, which was very interesting. It was really all about his, like, experience with coming back from the war and being someone who tortured people and... All of the scenes in Abu Ghraib were, or Abu Dhabi, no, what was Abu Ghraib? Abu Ghraib. I said I said Abu Ghraib <laughs> instead of Abu Ghraib. I, I could be a hundred percent wrong. You might you might even be right. We're not authorities. Well, on, uh, that's inter- fair. All of the scenes uh, from that horrible prison were just very intense. The high, you know, early two thousands intense rock music. The fisheye lens going from scene to scene of just absolute torture that we're not used to like seeing the the use of uh using the pictures that we all saw when we were younger that came out from you know torture areas like gitmo seeing those people condemning them while not really condemning the system that created them like it was it was intense in a way that i was just fully engaged every moment and, and I spoke earlier about the high tension of this year. This was another movie where every single scene was just a tightrope walk for me. And mm-hmm. I also, Oscar Isaac, I did double check. He technically is a millennial. He's two years under the age gap. <laughs> Fit perfectly in this role for me. I was, I felt like, um, I forget the name, Ty Sheridan. Mm-hmm. Sort of, his character sort of was a little lackluster for me, but... Everything else in this film just cut to the deep, and it was a great one this year. Nice. Glad to hear that you were uh, a fan as well. Uh, Paris, I'm very excited for you to watch First Reform because it's Mm -hmm. basically the same thing, but just better. (laughs) Yeah. More effective, I think. The highs are higher. Huge highs. Um, (laughs) Very cool. My number astral s- planking, yeah, the highest you can get. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get any higher. Can you take me higher? Speaking of butt nope. rock, you think they yeah. played that in Abu Ghraib? <laughs> higher no, by it's Creed. Not intense enough. I hope <laughs> to so. the place where blind man see. That's my version of Abu Ghraib. Is Creed? Anyway. Um, number six, it's my turn to enter the Diddler discourse. It is licorice pizza coming in at number six. Um, (laughs) so the only reason Red Rocket has not got as much flack as it could have is because Diddler licorice pizza, I was going to call it Diddler pizza, licorice pizza got all of the heat. Which makes no sense to me because licorice pizza is Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I guess licorice pizza was gross. People who were complaining, she was in her twenties. That's gross. Did you see licorice pizza? 
I did in theaters. It's hard to oh, say nice. exactly how old she was. That's what. I, that's all I'll say about that. She was in her twenties. <laughs> we know this. Yes, mid twenties. She could drink legally, and he was fifteen. So they're at least six years apart. But yes. he was like fifteen, going on forty. So exactly. Yeah. Not that's mental not age point, doesn't count. I'm kidding. <laughs> So Licorice Pizza um, is a movie that I've I've liked more and more as I have more time removed from it. Um, I think that it is an amazing portrait, time capsule, if you will, of life in the valley in the 70s, early 70s, which... Uh, the the good know, old days. The good days. <laughs> um, I just, I think it's so funny. I think these characters are so well written. Like, I think it's one of Paul Thomas Anderson's best scripts. I think that it, the way that it moves through time and just kind of, it kind of meanders. Like, it's kind of hard to place exactly how much time passes from one scene to another. And it's just... Like, for me, the age gap thing, like, it's, yes, it's a little weird, but I think that's part, that's part of the point. Like, there is this, a line, you could argue a line that's of, part of the point in Red Rocket, Matt. Well, you could, one could, I suppose, but <laughs> in, in Licorice Pizza, um, I, I don't know, like, they're, the relationship between their characters, Al- Alana Haim and, uh, uh, Cooper, Cooper Hoffman's characters, it's, you know, it, it it's almost like a brother sister type of relationship. Like ultimately, by the end of it, you know, they like they do kiss and it does end. It's got a rom com esque ending for sure. But spoilers. There's you know there's this given this give and take of Cooper's character um, Gary being like you know very driven, very little supervision, and he's just kind of running around town with his friends, and he's very like I think. Alana is gravitates toward him because he's just like it. That's just what being young is. You know what I mean? Like she's still clinging to her youth and hasn't figured out like what she wants to be. And I think that's why for me, their dynamic works and it doesn't come across as, as pedophilia to me. Um, I just really, really had an amazing time with licorice pizza. I love Bradley Cooper's character. He's barely in the movie, but anytime he's on screen, is he's electric. Um, love the scene with Tom Waits and Sean Penn, like the motorcycle scene. One of my favorite scenes of the year. Um, and probably the funniest scene of the year for me is when Elena and um, Gary go to that audition where Gary told Elena. I keep saying Elena. Her character's name is, oh, it is Elena. Yeah, same name. Tells her that she needs to say yes to everything. And so this woman is interviewing her and he's like, do you speak Portuguese? She's like, yes. Do you know how to ride a horse? Yes. Like that whole scene, I was just fucking cracking up. It's my favorite comedic scene of the year. Um, Yeah. Licorice Pizza. Loved it. It's my number six. Matt, you're getting into a little bit of a free pass territory, it seems, with uh, Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson on your list. Not a free pass. Uh, they made two films that I love very much this year. Not I their best the work, Andersons. though. Not their best. Mid-tier for both directors, but it was just that kind of year. Fair enough. And mid-tier Anderson, regardless of which one. Fuck, we, we can even throw Paul W.S. Anderson in here. Mid-tier for any of these Andersons is better than most top Is top ten worthy. Of others, yes. 
I did like licorice pizza for the record. Did not make my list. Um, just, yeah, I, I would agree with some of the stuff you said. It just felt a little slight, especially for PTA. That's not fair. that he was trying to go for more than that. I think he was trying to do like a smaller, more like personal, intimate thing. But I don't know. I just didn't have that like wow factor watching it. Intentionally low stakes, I would say. Yeah. Compared to some of his other films, for sure. Maybe on a rewatch, it would go up a, a little bit. Oh, it's gonna, bud. Don't you just you wait and see. <laughs> That's the Anderson effect. All right. What is your number six, Travis? My number six, still don't know how to pronounce it. It is Titan. You got it, I think. Nailed As a it. non-Frenchman, <laughs> I so, think you got it. I don't know if you guys knew, knew this, but I was pre-watching this at the highest of highs, the best movie of the year, six out of five. Uh, loved what the trailer was selling. Oh, yeah. Don't know if it fully delivered, but I still did love what we got. The first 30 minutes or so, probably my favorite 30 minutes of a movie all year. Loved everything about the car show scene, the use of the music, the dancing, the way it was shot and lit. That was a cream dream. Mm -hmm. The that movie rampage does take at the, uh, the house. Well, rampage. Oh, yeah. She goes on amazing. Oh, man. So oh, yeah, good. a little charged up rampage. Yeah, oh good. <laughs> it's an apex. Stop. Uh, <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> the movie does take a turn ultimately, and uh, goes in a different direction of the the first, you know, portion, and then it turns into a a little more personal, intimate movie about. Transformation, gender, identity, family, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, without spoiling it, I just viewed it as like two lost people trying to find, you know, like one another or just like someone to love or care or be cared for. I uh, thought there were some good body horror in it as well and some good use of music. But yeah, uh, ultimately loved it. Uh, Julia, is it Ducournau? Ducournau, that's correct. She is a force to be reckoned with. Can't wait to see what she does next. Me too. All right, that brings us to the top five. Uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and uh, we will be right back. All right, and we're back to continue with the bottom half. Is it the top half or is it the bottom half? Because it's top half, but it's lower numbers. Do you know what I'm top saying? Half. Top half. Yeah, but we're okay. at the bottom of the hour. But the bottom. <laughs> All right. Well, it's the top five. This is where shit gets real. And let's go ahead and move into it. Tom, let's kick things off. What's your number five? Pig. Oh, yeah, hey. dude. Um... Yeah, maybe I just have a soft spot, you know, former Oregonian, Oregonian at heart. Uh, oh, you love the the fuck Seattle line? That was a good uh, line. Uh, just out of nowhere. The only thing that would have uh, made this movie better was a fucking Dame Lillard cameo. Oh, my God. If that had been in there. 
if he was just in the background of that scene where Nick Cage is just just roasting that guy. Yeah, at the restaurant where he's just (laughs) destroying that guy's whole life. Yeah. Dame's just in the background saying, like, wow, I really love this restaurant. It's great. I've never had anything like this before. (laughs) So high concept. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, let's see. Why did I like this movie? I liked it because, um, I mean, this is probably obvious to everybody, but my brother-in-law called it, um, Fight Club, but, like, the, the love and tenderness version. Um, right. It's not about toxic masculinity. It's about positive yeah, masculinity. Yeah. Which, um, which I thought summed it up pretty well. Um, I really enjoy all of the, the cooking and, um, the like attentiveness that you get from Nick Cage's character, especially toward the end of the movie, you get more of that. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and subtle little just, um, uh, moments in his performance that, kind of show you how much he cares and, and how high of a standard he has for certain things, um, which I, th- I thought was cool. Uh, the restaurant scene with the chef I know is pretty uh, controversial. A lot of people were pretty put off by that. I didn't, I didn't love it either. It felt like such a tonal shift in the movie, but you could think of it as like the, the film's way of telling you, you know, this isn't the type of movie that you think it is. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, if I had made it, I probably wouldn't have done that scene that way, but, uh, yeah, overall I, I liked it a lot and I thought Nick Cage was really good in it. Um, only thing, oh, the other thing that I thought was, um, really bizarre had to have been in there like deliberately, but, uh, there's a scene where Nick Cage is on like back porch with a kid that he doesn't know oh yeah and it's like never addressed and i'm like am i feeling weird because i'm a parent or is everybody also feeling this is a really bizarre and inappropriate moment when that scene happened my first thing that i said was where is that child's parents why is he talking i thought it was going to go in a direction where it was going to be like uh, you know, I don't want to get into spoiler territory. It's not really that big of a spoiler, but you know, where something would would be revealed that changed the nature of the situation, but that does not happen. It's, I mean, he Saving he was that. just like it. wandering, right? Like he just like was had just recently been like had the shit kicked out of him, and he just like wandered. I can't remember. Oh no, he used it to live there. He used to live there. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yes. Used to live there, and he just like shows up in the back <laughs> the backyard. Um, mm-hmm. I love that scene. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I mean, it's it a great weird. scene, but it's so. Um, what I'm saying is that must be deliberate. That like I'm not the only person who's thinking that. Yes, I. There yeah. has been a lot of kid diddler um, <laughs> implications and just direct talk <laughs> on this podcast. I was not prepared for this. So yeah, you're viewing it through that lens. Is 2021 <laughs> yes. the year of the kid diddler? I don't love that. That's the theme. I don't love the that overarching either. theme. Yeah. But if I no. saw a strange man on my back porch with my kid, I would I would have a conniption fit. Yeah, yeah. most I mean, I most parents so. would. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, pig is a five. vibe, Tom. Yeah, you know pig's that. a vibe for sure. Pig is a vibe. It won't. That won't be a the strong last. Vibe. That won't be the last you hear of pig. Paris, numero five o. What is it? That would be numero cinco, Matt. 
Yeah, um, I know. I'm Mexican, Paris. I know. That was, that was the joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my number five is Shiva Baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt basically forced me to watch this um, by saying I would really like it. And at first I was offended since technically I'm Jewish. And I was like, okay. I'm sure I'd love this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course I'll love this one. Oh. Yeah. Nice one, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I was a little like, all right, cool. Fucking loser. And then <laughs> and then I loved it. And I like kind of was mad at myself for loving it. But again, I've talked about the theme of my 2021 is not so much kid diddlers as it is just high tension with very low stakes. Like, this entire film kept me on my toes when really, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Her parents find out that she's, you know, a sugar baby or, you know, having sex for money, but just with this one guy. But literally, the enti- I was just, I was on the edge of my seat the entire film. It was mm-hmm. all the things I love about a movie. High tension. Only. Om- basically only one setting um a lot of people talking at you and you're like get the fuck away from me it felt <laughs> visceral anytime like when she like accidentally scratches stabs herself with that little nail sticking out of the dresser and has to take off her tights mm-hmm. the intimacy with her and her ex where she keeps going to quote help her with things and then the ex ends up actually doing the things for her it felt very real and i was just i was engaged the whole time i will say seeing most of the 2021 movies at home i have a tendency to like flip my phone on during the movie even if i'm enjoying it like it's just habit something i'm trying to work myself out of but this one i was not doing that i was fully engaged i was stressed out for this gal and every decision she makes seemed to be wrong and yet i was still rooting for her as sort of an anti-hero protagonist i loved it i love to hear it i'm so glad uh that it made your list should have uh, probably should have made mine but you know i had to you know Take a st- I had to take a stand. I had an agenda. That, you know. Yeah, he had <laughs> agendas. He day, had so. his kid diddler agenda. It's fine. Yeah, you know. So I'm s- glad that you loved it. I'm glad it's uh, so high on your list. Shiva Baby is a wonderful movie, regardless of what Tom Travis said. Hey, I, I like the movie. Three and a half. It's very solid. Uh, <laughs> I would have also recommended it for you, Paris, and uh, no offense given. That's racist. No, no, honest, I didn't even know you were Jewish until five minutes ago. So there's not a racist bone in my body. I'm just kidding, you guys. Very nice. All right. Uh, my number five is uh, a very light, happy film called Mass. Um, yeah. <laughs> have, you guys, have you guys heard of, of Mass? Travis has, clearly. It. But yeah. You saw it? Um, mm-hmm. mass is a masterpiece. It, I, <laughs> this is a movie where I had a hard time figuring out where to place it because I don't think I ever want to watch this movie again, but I was incredibly moved by it. So the, the premise of the film is that the parents involved in a school shooting come together many years later 
to talk. So it's like it's the parents of the sh- the shooter and then the, uh, a group one of, of, parents the of one of the victims. Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. So they basically, I would say. 80% of the movie is the four of them literally just sitting at a table talking. Um, it made me cry so much. It is so important, I think. I think this is a movie that I'm kind of surprised has not gotten more more hyper attention because it's just, I feel like it's one of those movies that should be like required viewing in this country just because it's so perfectly encapsulates encapsulates you know the culture of like it, there's a lot of gray area in the movie like it's not like it's the movie doesn't take sides you know what i mean like there's a lot of back and forth in perspective and one of the things that i didn't expect that i i found really interesting about the movie is it takes the time to like address just the weirdness of the situation because like the the opening probably 20 minutes of the film is just set up for this meeting and it's never made explicit like what happened or who these people are but you can tell that something tragic happened so there's like it takes place at this uh church right and there's people who work at the church and there's these awkward moments where like the people who work there are like trying to make the the parents feel comfortable and they have like you know a snack table with like you know beverages and drinks and it's just like such a weird situation to be in right like these two families who have basically lost their children you know what i mean like coming together and it just like fully delves into the awkwardness of that situation and i just found it so moving and captivating and some of the best performances of the year as well um i would highly recommend master fucking give it up for Ann dowd i was gonna say i love Ann dowd so (laughs) good she is so good and so is uh jason isaacs real like he's really good too like yeah across the board bravura performances it's it's not for everybody and you have to be in the right headspace to watch it because it is it is quite heavy um, but I was very moved by it and kind of struggled with where to place it just because it's it's not a movie I care to ever watch again, probably. But um, very, very powerful, very powerful film. And I, I think everyone should see it at least once, especially if you're American, which if you're listening to this, you probably are. But who knows? Shout out to those Iceland listeners. Actually, you'd be surprised. Our most uh, active overseas uh country is um a middle eastern country i can't remember How shout out one? to that middle eastern uh, country off the top that of my head yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, so many shout outs yeah shout out to Abu all right um, that's number five travis number five. solid choice matt uh didn't quite work for me the way it worked for you but um i mean it was good it just again missing that element for me to really love it it just didn't really like you it, it just didn't do much for you like in a in an emotional sense or like um, a dramatic sense like because no, there's I a mean, movie I, I don't want to play i'm not going to play your card so i'm not yeah, going to say the movie yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a movie yeah. i know is coming that, yeah okay but. and that one did work for me <laughs> big time uh some minor parallels with mass you could say oh we will say we'll get there though <clears throat> all right 
my number five. Now, Matt, the rest of my list, I feel like I'm walking on landmines here. I can't win. Uh, do you guys remember when Quentin Tarantino put out his top 10 of the year? I think it was the year 2011, and he had a section called the Nice Try like section. I have no. a feeling that half of my list is going to be Matt's like Nice Try <laughs> uh, To put it into perspective, I think Quentin Tarantino said... Drive was in his nice try list of 2011. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right, so my first nice try pick of the top half of the list is Lamb at mm. number five. Mm -hmm. Matt, I thought you would uh, fall for this one. Just hook, line, and sinker. Um, had all the trappings. <laughs> did it though? <laughs> I think it did. <laughs> I was I found it to be pretty dull. Interesting. I was pretty bored. Mm. I saw and I hated the ending. I hated the ending. Bored. I hated How the ending. From it was Black Sheep. Black Sheep is a masterpiece even, compared to Don't Lamb. even mad. I have fun Absolutely watching Black Sheep, not. okay? What about sure. Tommy Boy? <laughs> well, I'm not a huge Tommy Boy fan, oh. man. <laughs> We're talking of a different black sheep, Tom, that you don't want to know <laughs> about. This is a black sheep that's actually about sheep. Yes. <laughs> Sounds That awful. we watched on the Digest. Anyways, Lamb, 2021, A24 joint. Uh, I loved it. I thought it had a great setting, like the desolate Icelandic farmland. Makes for some great shots and just adds to the whole feeling of the movie just being isolated. Um I did love the ending. It was pretty shocking, and it calls back to the beginning. Um, it's themes. I don't. There's a, a, maybe a few at play. It's like mother versus nature. Little eye for so an eye action going on. So another don't get pregnant movie. Um, I don't know about that necessarily, but just dealing with uh, pregnancy and all of its glory it's a it's a movie about adoption really at the end of the day sure <laughs> i mean um, it I kind just, of is <laughs> yeah i think what i loved most about it is just like how straight it was played even though it's a pretty ridiculous premise mm -hmm. and then um yeah i like like you know the way it was shot the, the the setting of it and all that i also thought the look of ada the like the main Ava? Ada. Mm -hmm. The main... I said Ada, didn't I? Yeah, it's or, Ada. I thought it was Ava for a second, but I think you're oh. right. Yeah, it's Ada. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like the design of her without saying too much of it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I liked it a lot. I liked um, just how it played out. And I liked some of the themes that play. Just like, I don't really want to spoil it. That's why I'm kind of dancing around. But I just liked how... This couple was trying to find like a temporary happiness with Ada and like it just never really came to be that um, happiness that they were looking for. And that's kind of playing into the ending. But um, yeah, it, it really worked for me. So it's my number five. Nice. I didn't dislike the movie, but it, at the end of the day, it just 
I don't know. It didn't really resonate nice. with me. Nice and try. I, I did not like the ending. Absolutely a nice try, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I see what you're going for here, but nice try, bud. Cool. All right. That's number five. Moving on to number four. Let's hear it, Tom. What's your number four of the year? Uh, my number four is The Last Duel. Oh, yeah. Love a medieval setting. Can't Ridley Scott. I mean, this movie, it had to be here. If you watched it, I knew it was going to make the list. I didn't see it, but, you know. You didn't? No, I didn't. Two and a half hour historical epic. Just, you mm-hmm. know, wasn't feeling it, you know? I had to make I had to make time for stuff like <laughs> uh, Nine Days and uh, Coda <laughs> and Stray, a movie about Coda. dogs in Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I didn't give this movie a higher rating. I'm trying to think back on like maybe some complaints I had with it, but um, nothing or nothing's coming to mind right now. I I think it just does what it sets out to do very effectively. Um, I appreciate. I mean, I think everybody knows that it has three, maybe even four distinct storylines um, that all cover basically the same territory but give you different insights every time and some actual like dialogue lines change and who delivers them changes based on the, the teller's memory. A lot of subtleties. And so is a it lot of subtleties. By, like with each perspective, is it sort of like, it's like kind Rashomon of an unreliable, narr- unreliable narrator where totally. everyone's a little bit different of the situation? Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, what I appreciated about it is because um, it, it did a really good job of navigating um, the woman's perspective. Uh, what's her name? Jody's perspective without making her like a completely accurate storyteller. Um, so she shared in some of the same unre- unreliable narrative. Um, I don't know. It's just, you could see a lot of like dangerous ground there because the story centers around uh, a rape so uh you know it's there's the whole like concept that you need to believe women for example um is is going to be in there no matter what but i also think it would have been a pretty uninteresting movie if it's just uh jody is like an infallible human in the story and the other two are uh you know just both liars or something like that right so it, it does, it does a really good job of that. Of it's it. sort of yeah. like something horrible can happen to you. That doesn't mean you're 100% an angel or 100% whatever. You're right. still a human being kind of thing. Totally. And it also, um, I mean, that's ultimately, that's probably good for women, right? Because if you're going to be held to that standard, then, um, you know, that's something no one can live up to anyway. But uh, yeah, I, it's probably just not higher because it didn't really like surprise me in I it, like I said, it just did what it set out to do really, really well. Nice. I, pl- I plan on catching up with it soon. I just, I prioritize other things. And then when it came down to the wire, I was like, eh, I mean, do I really want to watch? Basically How? it came down to, do I want to watch Dune or do I want to watch the last duel? And I went with mm-hmm. Dune. Tom, so. how unsettling was the awkward facial hair specifically for matt damon 
Because when I watched the trailers, it was very unsettling. <laughs> um, all of the men's hair in this movie is unsettling. Okay, but except cool, Adam Driver cool, 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 cool. looks amazing in this movie. Yes, he does. I Adam mean, you Driver could say that about incredible. him in a lot I of mean, movies, but yeah. specifically this movie, the hair, the facial hair, the uh, all the you know his costumes, the armor. Oh yeah, he's a stud. He's he a beautiful really, man. He really like... works it. Does he hang dong in this movie? No, unfortunately, no. Oh, no, he does not. Damn. I feel right. like in context, that's probably good. <laughs> um, cool. All right. But Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's hair. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Doesn't Ben <laughs> Affleck have like bleached Wait, ben Affleck's hair yes. or something? Yeah, and like yes, a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was Matt Damon. <laughs> no, Matt Damon's Hold in on. it, too. No, Matt, Matt Damon's Damon in it, has, too. Matt Damon Wait. has like a Dark a Ages mullet. mullet. And Stop! I thought that OT. was the same person. Okay, now I gotta watch it. No, they're you both. For, it. You could be forgiven for thinking that. Matt Damon looks like a billy goat. He does. So he does sure Ben does. Affleck in this movie. Right. Like a blonde billy goat. I just watched the trailer, but now this is making me really want to watch it. Yeah. Uh, honorable mention for me. It was very solid. Did like it quite a bit. Jodie Comer also is a star and should be in more things. She's great. Yeah, she, she probably will be. Very cool. Um, all right, Paris, what's your number four? Oh, um, my number four is Dune. This mm. is my four and a half star pick. And the reason it is four and a half stars is, is a couple things. One, I didn't realize that this is going to be a part one of multiple movies. I also, uh, I think when I was looking up maybe how long it was or something before the movie, I saw something and I didn't read it because I didn't want to spoil it, but I saw something that was like, how many parts does Dune have? So I kind of thought it was going to be like a chapter or an act where it was like part one. So one of the positives of this movie is it's very long, but all the way up until the end, I was like, okay, when are we getting to chapter two? When are we getting to part two? <laughs> And this movie Yikes. is chapter one, the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so it ended and I was like, I see, there's going to be another movie. Okay, okay. So I would say that was the only thing that really dropped at a half star for me. But really, I saw this movie in IMAX at 10.30 p.m. in theaters. I was flabbergasted. It was amazing. It, First it of all, Denny jeans. Villeneuve... I creamed my jeans. I did. Truly, you guys. <laughs> Denny Villeneuve is one of my favorite directors for just the large-scale, beautiful sci-fi, what's going on here. The look of it was fucking fantastic. It had my boyfriend, T-Shall, in it. The Each character I was very engaged in. It made me... It got me so excited that Kurt bought the book for me. Is the you know Dune book, and I was super engaged in it. I don't know how quite to describe this movie other than it was meant to be experienced, and I think I was only my expectations were so high. <coughs> Excuse me, my expectations were so high that I think that the only reason I gave it down a half star was 
it was an amazing movie that didn't maybe quite live up to my expectations, but it still was my number four pick of the year because this movie killed. It had the expanse. It was it was the movie of the year, truly. I'm convinced that everyone's just saving their five stars and top ten picks for part two. I I mean, not on purpose, but like the... Well, it does feel somewhat incomplete, and I think that's what yes. like the the main gripe is for people, or you know, like or what's holding the movie back is that it is like half of a movie. But it, yeah, it doesn't but it feel also like isn't. a Lord of the Rings movie. Those movies end, and you feel like you got a complete story. Yes, in a way that you don't with Dune. Yes, thank you, Tom. I agree. Mm, I would say that Lord of the Rings, like the Fellowship. I mean, I think they picked a, a good spot way. to end it, but yes. at the same time, there's still like so much more to be told. I will also say that a lot of people describe Zendaya's um, acting time in it as the length of a perfume ad and her, you know, <laughs> the way she like doesn't say much in it. I would agree with that, except that I never expected her to be a main character. I don't know. I, I was very, I was very happy with what I got. Well, we can't talk about this movie without talking about the Baron, Harkonnen, Stellan Skarsgård. His so look. Good. I love all of the Skarsgårds, oh, period. But him playing <laughs> that worm man. So good. It's I like a mix so between Jabba the Hutt and Emperor Palpatine. Is yes. Basically yeah. his truly, character. Truly. And like and it's when he was, when they find him scurrying a bit up against the the ceiling in that room mm -hmm. when you think he's like half dead and then he is like I a don't know slug? and then that sauce that he lives in yeah, oh the, my the god the oil. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. that bechamel that, that sauce <laughs> check your local yeah, it's one of the butter maybe. sauces but it is gross <laughs> just hollandaise with black food dye <laughs> with squid ink <laughs> Worming. Truly, the visuals in that movie. Like, even at first, when we saw the sandworms, I was like, eh, okay. And then when you see its giant maw taking up the entire, like, screen. Again, seeing it in IMAX was an experience, but that took me. From there on out, I was like, this is gold. I'm here for it. Nice. Uh, fun fact Dune is the first. Denny Villeneuve movie uh, since Prisoners. So starting with Prisoners, every Denny Villeneuve movie has made my top 10, except Dune. So Wow. I I don't know. I had a hard time getting invested. Overall, I, I liked the movie, but I definitely felt it feels like set up for the next one. Like as a standalone film, it feels incomplete to me. I did love the spectacle of it. Like I loved certain moments and sequences, but it felt incomplete to me as we've already alluded I mean, to. And I, I, I know every, that's everyone's thing, but I like, I can't, I have to dock it for that because as a standalone film, it just, it feels like build up for the second one. It's like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one for me. Like it's just setting up the finale is, is what I it felt like to me. Agree with you in that it feels incomplete. Because I think it's supposed to feel incomplete. You're supposed to need the second one to complete the story. 
And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think unlike some of the, like the Harry Potter, you know, where they split the books into two parts, I think Dune needs to be split because it's complicated to the point of reading the books now. I'm like, oh shit, like this really needed to be two movies. And I think that that was just maybe the marketing of it. Like, I think it should have been marketed as part one. But I know that they didn't want to do that because then people maybe wouldn't want to go or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, I 100% agree. Like, you have to do it this way. It just... I mean, I think Lord of the Rings is a perfect example because even though the the trilogy tells, like, one complete story, each film feels complete in its own way. Like, Two Towers, I, I think, is though. the is Twin the Towers, yeah. Or t- the towers. Twin Towers, hell yeah. <laughs> I kept calling it Twin Towers. <laughs> I think Two been... Towers feels pretty complete. <laughs> yeah, Two well, Towers. Nah, I don't know about Kurt that, and I have been but... watching Lord of the Rings. We started on Christmas. We've been watching it kind of long because we've been doing the extended version, so that's four hours at a time. And honestly, Two Towers, to me, like doesn't... It feels incomplete without the third. And to me, this is the same. Like, I just... And that's why I gave it four and a half stars. Like, I didn't give it a full five because I do feel like... Once I watch the second one, it'll probably bump it to a five. The thing about Two Towers, though, is that it's so important for character development across the board that even though as the middle chapter, it very much it feels like a middle chapter in in a trilogy there it's so important to like the progression of the characters and like moving the pieces around to line things up for the third that. It still works as a standalone movie for me. I mean, maybe I need to watch Dune again. And maybe when part two comes out, like, it'll make, I don't know, maybe I'll look back on the first one more fondly. But I I don't know. Very much enjoyed it. But uh, I I was expecting Dune to be, like, a contender for number one of the year, just based on my experience with Denny Villeneuve. And it just, it, it didn't get there for me. But. I'm so excited. Like Dune Chapter Two is gonna be huge. Like one of the most anticipated Cream films. You know? Oh, for sure. Pre watching Dune Two as a contender. That for like the Cream Dream Supreme of twenty twenty fucking three or whatever it is. So what you're saying, Matt, is you loved it, but just not enough to put it on your list. I give it a four. I wouldn't say I loved it. I would say But just uh, think about part two and how great it could be. Them together? Eh? Yes. Eh? But we won't know <laughs> until we see part two. So, Will you give part two a slight bump because of part one if it bangs? Not a bump. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Sounds like you're pre-watching at a four. It needs to live up to that five star. I. We just will have to Denny. wait and see Denny gets the automatic bump. He's great. We'll have to wait and see, I suppose, what comes all right, next. All right. Get to your number fucking, what is it, four? Number four is Julia DeCourneau's Titan. It was... Oh, snap. I was pre-watching it as my number one of the year, and hey, who knows? Too. Maybe on a rewatch? <laughs> I'm a big Raw head, so Raw was on my top 100 of all time list. Oh, yeah. Matt's so a raw dog. Love raw. I am a raw dog for sure. Uh, Titan. Uh, so Titan is a movie <laughs> that. 
Another free pass, Matt? Holy it's, shit. <laughs> it's full of free pass. I told you I came in with an agenda. Um, no. So Titan, it's a movie that I can't stop thinking about. Like, I'm still trying to sort through my feelings on it. And I think part of the reason is the tonal shift that takes place about 45 minutes into the movie, you know? And the weird part, and the reason why it's so high on my list still, is that I love both parts right like i love the murder porn horny car shit in the first 45 minutes you know oh yeah love it (laughs) but i also love the super tender exploration of you know intimacy and gender and and feeling like you have this hole in your life that you can't fill and you feel like it just need you need mm. your hole filled this and whole episode they is about fill, filling hole <laughs> they fill each other's holes mom and or dad and daughter fake dad and fake daughter fill each other's holes and i think that's beautiful and that's why it's my number four of the year i just like the second half i think is is still what i'm i'm grappling with my, my feelings on it because I do like part of me thinks it's just so strange and weird and off putting, but it's just also so sweet and tender and I can't help but love it. And I think that's, that's the point is that it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable and, and, and truly come to terms with these, these characters who are sure unconventional, but are, Dare I say likable? It's weird to say a, a, a serial murderer and a, like human growth hormone injecting fireman are some of the most likable and tender characters of the year. But I honestly feel that way. Like I really think their relationship is just by the end of the film, like so beautiful and moving and just bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. And I, that's why, even though I'm still grappling with my feelings on this one, I had to put it so high because I just, I think it's a remarkable movie that I really feel like I need to see a second time before I can really come to terms with my feelings. But re- absolutely love Titan. And uh, Julia DeCourneau, she's she's on the short list of, uh, of filmmakers who I'm pre-watching their shit out of five. You know what I mean? It's a select few, but she's she's on the list now. Matt, it's just because both characters so are so vulnerable that you just you got you got to feel for him. They are very vulnerable in their own ways, and uh, oh, and the colors we haven't even talked about like the color scheme. Like it just it looks amazing. Like I love the aesthetic of this movie. The industrial like <laughs> fucking horny but but tender like w- just weird aesthetic of the film is just all style mm, chef's kiss no substance no, no. paris no, no there's a lot of substance so i just much. don't know too much substance <laughs> i just can't i just can't grapple with all the substance you know so i haven't seen this because um i was led to believe that sarah would not dig it correct Do you think this is i a, would think okay. that yeah no right. don't watch it with sarah now matt something i was just thinking of um just to add to your conversation or talking points, but mm-hmm. uh, one character kind of deals with transformation out of like necessity, and the other one is like choosing to transform. Mm-hmm. 
their body. Boo. Huge. Huge revelations here on the show. Pro-choice. Who would have thought? <laughs> Come on. Come on. We're not. I'm sorry. Wait, we cannot so, ascribe so Paris, that to this s- film. Did you see it? I did see it. And you're not you're not vibing. It was my second worst film of the year. Whoa. Whoa. Shots fired. All right, Paris. I want to hear your thoughts. Lee. My thoughts were this movie fucking blew. It set me up to be very interesting. I was like, okay, I'm kind of here for the slightly funny, you know, torture porn. The first 30 minutes I was engaged. It was interesting. It was beautiful. It had almost like a Fast and the Furious vibe, but like not a surface level. It was more engaging. (laughs) It was like an indie version of that. It was better. And then nothing and then nothing and then it was trying too hard to make trans politics work with some kind of gross incestual romance story and everything that happened after that i hated and then i would disagree with the incest stuff it's just a different it's it's a different thing it's not literal it's not i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to spoil the movie it is. You're right. It's not literal incest, it's a but that was delicate the vibe. relationship. It's a strange <laughs> relationship. To, to me, the relationship that made sense was a father without a child, a child without parents, coming together and finding the missing part in the other, and mm-hmm. then making that in any way sexual was super gross. Did it though? I mean, see, I, I didn't find the movie that sexual between the two. Like, there was maybe like there is a moment at it. Yeah, there is like three moments. There's three moments that really grossed me out. Also, all, right. all I, I gotta say is Paris. What is love, baby? Don't hurt me. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. Travis. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. I, I love that. She's speechless, yeah. <laughs> I am literally speechless. <laughs> so what you're saying is this is like Night at the Roxbury, but better. Yeah, but without Will Ferrell. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But, no, without but Chris still the Kattan. other guy. <laughs> yeah, Chris Kattan sucks. No, Chris Kattan is Titan. Wait, Chris oh Titan. my God. Speaking of, did you guys know Chris Kattan is on the current season of Celebrity Big Brother? No, he's a house guest. Chris Kattan is a house. Corky Romano is That's on. embarrassing. So is Lamar Odom. <laughs> that it's sounds huge. like a wild season. It's of TV. I don't love it. Brother, but stay tuned for the exclusive Titan uh, Big Brother bonus content. Titan Ouch. was all style, ah, no substance. Titan could have been great. Titan had all the makings of a very interesting movie and then just farted its way through the rest. All right. I love it. I love these conversations. They're my favorite. Okay. Besides the fart remark, um, that is a valid take on the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps a bit childish on your part, Paris, but we'll let it pass. I Um, stand by it. All right, that's Titan. Right. Travis, bring it home. Number four. Let's get along. My on, number four is Zola, the funniest, most okay. entertaining movie of the year. 
Uh, I saw this back in the theater early 2021, and uh, I don't I don't know. It's just something about it. It was like the first movie I had seen in a theater in a long time that just really worked. Maybe the part the pandemic the pandemic had a uh, a role in that. But uh, yeah, I I just loved watching it. Like I love the style of it. I love the comedy in it. I thought Riley Keough and her boyfriend, their performances and just the humor that they bring to the movie was amazing. Uh, some really good moments. I think the ending is a little weak and that's probably the biggest thing you could gripe about in regards to this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a now what feeling, but I'll excuse it and just say that that's just kind of what it was going for. Cause I don't know about you guys, but you ever been on like a uh, long weekend trip or like even like a maybe even one night where you think it's going to go one way and it goes the complete opposite mm -hmm. and then you're just kind of left with like, well, <laughs> you're so I'm long alive. for the ride. I'm alive, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a shit experience and I will live to tell the tale. Uh, that's kind of what I got from the ending of it, but um yeah, I just thought it was really fun to watch. And um, I also just liked, yeah, like all the performances. But yeah, Riley Keough especially um, as like the, I don't know, she's like obviously a white character, but like uh, she's kind of like a culture vulture. I don't know really how to put it, but just totally. like the way she talks mm -hmm. and the way she acts, like you could criticize her or her person for being that way, but for the movie, I just thought it added like a ton of humor and like entertainment. For to sure. It. She, she is perfect in that movie. Like that is, she's walking a tightrope with that performance. Like, yeah, I mean, she, <laughs> she's, she's doing a black scent, right? Like she's right. Her whole character is like, like you said, like cultural appropriation and honestly pretty daring performance choice for her. And it totally it fits, works. Totally works. 100%. Yeah. I have no I have no qualms with with Riley Keough's performance in that movie. Um No Jen is at play here. Not here. No. I Glad love Zola. <laughs> didn't didn't were quite make my list, but it's great great film. Were y'all familiar with the Twitter uh thread that inspired the movie? I yes. was not. I had I well, had read okay. the Twitter thread, yes. Yeah, not until the after the movie came out I didn't even know it existed. Okay. Because when it originally, like, blew up, I read it. I read it for hours because it was so engaging. And I felt like the movie was great. And I feel like I almost wish I hadn't read the thread prior because I think it would have been better had I not. Because the thread was so engaging because you kind of had your imagination filling in all the gaps. And the way the movie filled in the gaps maybe wasn't quite as... It was more probably what really happened if that makes sense mm -hmm. i yeah i will say that i think it is pretty impressive like what kind of movie they were able to get out of that whole twitter thread story um and then i also in addition to that liked some of the um like stylistic choices with adding like the little like tweet sounds and just Loved like that. some of the shots and stuff i i don't know i thought it was pretty clever in that sense my, my favorite sequence in the whole movie, well, maybe not the whole movie, but... The dong montage? I mean, that's pretty good, too. I love the dong <laughs> montage. But no, I was no. talking about... There's like... The dong-tosh? It's like a, the the tangent where um, 
Riley Keough's character is like from her perspective. She's like telling her perspective oh, of the story, that. and it's just so stylized and so funny. Like I thought it was hilarious. Well, and, because you know she in real life, like that the character that that's based on, like really tried to do that online and right. tried to spin her own story, and it was such <laughs> bullshit and didn't make any sense that I felt like that was so. That was a perfect part of the movie. Yes, for sure. But my favorite line of 2021 actually comes from Zola and I can't remember no not that one (laughs) I can't remember the exact quote but it's it's almost at the very end of the movie and it's where Riley Keough's boyfriend is like hey listen to me and everybody looks at him and he's like I'm gonna kill myself oh something like that just so funny the way he says that I was fucking dying. I, and when I she even remember. says, like, I hope you do or something like that. So like, yeah, completely like just her... discards what Yeah, she's yeah. like, okay, yeah. whatever. Oh, <laughs> so funny. Yeah, great movie. A, a fringe pick for me. I think Zola's like 15 or 16 or something on my, my list. A lot of fun. Very good movie. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, let's move on to number three. Tom, what's your number three <clears throat> pick? Well... I'm going to say the title, and then you guys are going to have to decide whether or not it's an acceptable pick. Oh, I already know. List. Wait, can I can I guess? Yeah. Bo Burnham's Inside. Yes. Oh, God. Um, uh, oh. No, unacceptable. Uh, pick a different movie. <laughs> Actually, pick a different content. Inside is not a movie. Bad. God damn. Well, No, I we can have the conversation, but I a mean, lot of people are including it, and uh, I want to hear what you think. It's on... Uh, it's on Letterboxd, so. So is every TV show now. Really? Yeah. Letterboxd yeah, is I tried fucked. to get by with some TV, TV shows and uh, Matt and Travis shit on me, so. Not well, look, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to make uh, any bones about taking it off the list, but I do think it's one of the best things I watched all year. I think it's really inventive, really funny, really poignant, super creative, um, and... Uh, uh, an incredible watch. I I laughed. I don't think I cried, but I I don't know. I couldn't get this movie out of my head all year. Um, so in lieu of Bo Burnham's Inside as my number three, I'm gonna add Whoa. the newest James Bond as my number ten. And I don't <laughs> have anything to say about it. It's I it's it, it it's eligible. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> so I'm not gonna give you shit. I just I personally would not include inside. I would not consider in. I would consider inside a comedy special, not a hey, movie. But. I put uh, David Burns American Utopia on my list last year, Tom. So yeah. I say go. It's for It's all it. it's all fair game here. It's all fucked. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I get that it's a comedy special, but there's no audience. It's pre-recorded. It's it's um. Yeah, yeah. If you put like. Aziz Ansari's new comedy special on your oh, 2022 yeah, be... list, I would barf. But this one, totally. I would well, make that one's exception. only 32 minutes. I think Inside is counts as a movie. Yeah, I think it's an exception to the rule. Yeah. As a quick aside, I was watching a, a little bit of a different comedy special on HBO. Moses Storm, I think his name is. And uh, anyway, he had a hilarious line. He's like, you know those comedy specials that everybody's making now, where it's like. You know, you ask someone if they went to a, like, was it funny? And they say, well, uh, it was important. 
<laughs> like, like, uh, both like Hannah inside. Gatsby and, and, uh, and that yeah, kind of and yes, and Aziz's new new special to some extent <laughs> really got me. That's good. Morzis Morzis uh, Stormhole. Check them out. HBO. <laughs> uh, Morzis <laughs> Morzis Stormhole. Um, very cool. All right. All right. Number Inside. three, Paris. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, my number three was something I bet is not on anyone else's list. Uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Yes. Not on my I list, you're right. But loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, the mm-hmm. first time I saw it, I was not sober. But it was so engaging that I watched the entire movie all the way through, which again, like I said, not sober, so I feel like that's saying a lot more. I cried. I felt like I should call both of my parents. I was obsessed with the multimedia. Like, at first I thought, okay, it's some basic, like, kind of low-key 3D animation that we're all used to by now that's, like, kind of okay, kind of shitty. It was top-quality multimedia. They had those real images coming through. It was heartfelt without being cheesy. It was... Mm -hmm. A wild ride that I wasn't expecting. It had a good sci-fi, a good drama, a good family, fun for all the family. Like, it made me think about my life. It did all the good things a good movie should do and was like some animated picture that I kind of blew off because it was like a Netflix original or whatever. And honestly, you guys, this is the only movie from 2021 that I actively tried to rewatch and i say tried because the second time i did fall asleep <laughs> but that wasn't through the fault of the movie like i i legitimately we watched it in summer i would say july around the 20th and only three months later i was like let's rewatch this movie i'm really into it and i want to rewatch it and it's definitely something i'll be going back to time and time again and that's why it's my number three of this year nice that was awesome. I I also I also thought that movie was awesome, very funny, very heartfelt, and visually, it's uh quite the spectacle. Way better Super than I thought. Super engaging, it was be, for sure. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, moving on to my number three. It is a movie that came up earlier. Uh, it was Travis's number ten. It is nine days. Um. Mm. This was uh Thought it would be higher. It it was. Um had it at number one at one point, but Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, you know, it floated around. My top three was in flux over the past two Fuck, weeks. I gotta but do a little investigating right now. Uh, nine days is uh a movie about what it means to be a good human. Um it I love it's exploration of basically interviewing these these souls who will have an opportunity to be born on earth and just the aesthetic of everything i mean i love the fact that he's just watching all this shit on like crt tvs stacked on top of each other with like vhs tapes recording people's lives i think that's it's such a cool kind of quirky visual touch um and i just i found it so heartfelt and I loved that the movie takes its time and it's looking at these 
these moments that other movies would just kind of gloss over and it's just reveling in them. It's a movie that's about the small moments, the beautiful moments and just taking inventory of, of your life and what, what, what it means to live a good life and a fulfilled life and how you interact with people. And I just, I thought it was so beautiful. Love the hot, the sci-fi like uh take on the material and, um, Really, really thought it was a magnificent movie and uh, criminally underseen. Not enough people saw this movie. So uh, nine days. I think everybody should check her out. Now, Matt, I got to ask, who did it better? Uh, this or Soul? Um. Well, I mean, they're, they're going for but yeah, a little bit different things, but. There were some similarities, at least. There are. There's some similarities. I think Nine Nine Days is a more uh, interesting movie. I mean, obviously, Soul is a Pixar movie, so there's, you know, it's for kids, but it's also right. yeah. beautiful. Less but... cutesy stuff in Nine Days. Yeah. Loved, I lo- absolutely loved the ending. I, I cried during the end of Nine Days. Ending and, was uh, pretty huge. Really, really loved it. Um, Could have been higher. Was higher at one point, but... Settled in at number three. So, Travis, let's hear it. What is your number three of the year? My number three is another nice try award from Matthew. (laughs) It is The Humans. Oh, barf. Not even Uh, nice try. Okay. So, for me, this movie really worked. Um, And I think you could easily maybe dismiss it or overlook it or overlook its greatness, which I think Matt did. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) For me, I loved the characters, the conversations, and just like the dynamics of them. I think the way it flows, like the conversations flow from like one topic to another was like really well done. Like I really thought the writing in this was incredible. Uh, Say what you will, Matt. But like, the performances and the characters and all of the issues that they're dealing with and like, I don't know, viewing it as in like a modern lens. And it's also based on a play and the, the creator, you know, director playwright is the one who also directed the film version. And, um, usually, you know, like, you can really tell or it really feels like a play when you're watching one of these. But for me, I mean, you could still tell it was a play or based on a play, but um, I thought the way it was shot or just like the use of the location, um, they got a lot of mileage out of it, given it's a play and, you know, in one location. Um, But yeah, it's essentially just like a dysfunctional family drama that, uh, you know, everyone comes over on Thanksgiving and, you just, you're, yeah, you're kind of stuck with these characters for that duration and um, you get to just sit and listen to them talk about their problems or their views on certain topics. And um, for me, it was kind of just like a, um, the whole movie was just about like aging and decay and the, uh, the setting and cinematography also plays into that. You might say it's a, like a little heavy-handed with some of that stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I really liked it. I thought um, 
all the performances were great and just like some of the little like gags in it as well like there's a a running joke about a candle and i don't know if you guys i know matt and paris watched it but like yeah the through line of that like bit i thought was hilarious and that's just the like scented one candle store yeah how there's there's like yeah. this running joke or gag about a candle and then there's like a payoff to it at the very end that is almost like a it's not like dark humor but it's like it's like very sarcastic and that moment of humor really paid off for me and i just think there's like really smart writing choices like that throughout the movie now travis i was very curious would you describe this as a horror or any kind of thriller or anything in that genre no i think it's trying to elevate itself beyond just being like a regular like drama that's based on a play but I didn't really view it as like a horror thriller. There's definitely some tension and there's a character who needs to divulge some information and that's what creates some of that like dread. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just really liked like all the performances, all the conversations. Uh, every character had its own issues and yeah, I just thought it was really well done for what it was. Um, Paris, you want to give your thoughts on the humans first or <laughs> should I go? Well, I think the reason I asked about kind of if you thought this would fall into the horror or even thriller genre is because that is how I was kind of sold on this movie is that from the trailer, it just seemed like kind of a family drama when I didn't watch the trailer based on a play. For well, the, tr the trailer probably kind of communicated exactly what you're talking about but then i think i maybe read too much up on it or like saw too much on it that was like everyone was talking about how this is like an like a very low level horror so i was very interested and you know there are a couple of scenes for example when the dad says you know oh i saw someone like the windows like you can't really see outside of the windows and everything takes place in the apartment and even when the dad tries to look out the windows, they, they don't really have service. And he looks out there and he sees a shadow or a figure. And, um, you know, the gal that's his daughter that's living in the apartment is like, oh, I'm sure that's just the super. They only have access to that. But you can kind of get the feeling that maybe it's not. And that kind of dread, I wouldn't even say tension, but that kind of like overlooming dread that runs through the whole film and this well, is probably yeah. doing it a disservice is i had expected something out of that i think Even the dad is definitely dealing with some shit but yes um yeah i think those elements and you know you could maybe knock the film for trying to implement some of those but I didn't really get too caught up in like the like thriller horror aspect of it. I really just got caught up in like the characters and the conversations and stuff. Like I really, mm -hmm. and I, I know it's a, a movie, so it's obviously heightened and I'm not saying like my family, uh, you know, gatherings are similar to this, but I did feel like it felt authentic and I really like how like every character has their own issues, but then they're like taking jabs at the other characters for uh, their issues. And it's just like, 
I don't know. It felt really like realistic to me. Like even like the mom, like her little comments about like dessert and stuff and like, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it just really worked for me. For me, it was kind of, it emulated what Shiva baby or Shiva baby did well in that like high tension. But I think it's, it, I did myself a disservice watching this by expecting kind of a horror ending at least. And then when it didn't deliver on that, I was a little disappointed. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from this movie, but I think personally, I just watched it with a different perspective. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you guys will, and I'm not saying you need to do it tomorrow or anything, but I would recommend rewatching it. Cause I think like, if you're not really invested in the conversations and just like how uh, the topics flow from one to another, if you're not really engaged in that, I think you can miss some of the like nuance of it. Yeah, I'm not gonna ever. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'm never gonna watch this movie again. <laughs> uh, really, I tried, Matt. I really tried to sell it. <laughs> really disliked it. I mean, the only reason I gave it a two and a half is because of the performances. I think because of me. I think everybody's good in this movie yeah. except for. Um, Amy Schumer, she's ass. She should never act no. in a movie again. No, 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 no. I Strong thought she disagree. Was... Strong disagree. I thought she, she was great. Does not belong. She feels out of place, and she's a bad actress. She shouldn't be. In honestly, movies. honestly, Matt, I think you're judging too harshly on that. How? Like she's just she's... not good. She feels a step like two or three steps below every other actor in this movie. I think Beanie Feldstein is good. I think Richard Jenkins is awesome in this movie. I think mm-hmm. Steven Yoon is good. Whoever the mom is, I can't remember the actress's name, but I think she's good. She, she I feels... think she actually plays the mom in the play. Like she was, you know. Oh, from the, the stage wow. production? That yeah. makes sense, yeah. She's really good too. Everybody, mm-hmm. she, I, maybe I'm being harsh on Amy Schumer, but it's because her performance sticks out as being significantly worse than everybody else. She's just operating at a lower level than everybody that it makes her performance seem worse than it is for me anyway. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of related to each character's problems and flaws and just like, even like um, Steven Yens and Richard Jenkins dynamic, like how he's the younger one, but is like trying to like, push his younger wisdom on Richard Jenkins and like yeah it just kind of rings a little false you know mm-hmm. I just I don't know I really like the dynamics between all of them and thought everyone was great the only thing that was maybe like a little maybe not weird but like it felt a little forced with some of its like message was the whole June Squibb thing it just felt like tacked on for like a little unnecessary like there was enough between the two couples, you know, the kid relationship and the the parent relationship and then Amy Schumer's character that like we didn't need that like additional generation who's like also dealing with her own, you know, slew of issues or problems or whatever. I think that Matt doesn't like this because his family is great and they've always like been very loving <laughs> and they have no issues. So Matt doesn't understand what it's like to be in a family that's maybe more complicated. Yeah, I'm sorry for my fucking simpleton, loving, adoring <laughs> family. I didn't say simpleton. I was just like, <laughs> you have a great family that loves you, and they're mostly awesome. So, like, I feel like you can't really See, understand. What's that's going the thing, on. though. I love fam like dysfunctional family movies. For me, the main reason why it doesn't work for me is 
the Amy artificial no, no 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 it's the artificial tension like it's it's going for the shiva baby thing where it's like trying to create a sense of dread and tension with the score and like the slow moving camera and the still shots and it just all rings false for me and i really felt like the movie was trying to be tense and it rubbed me the wrong way. And that maybe that's part of the reason why the content of it didn't really work for me because the filmmaking turned me off so hard. Start to finish, just really did not connect. Matt with doesn't like plays. I love plays. How dare you? Um, Fair enough. Anything else um, on the humans? We spent a lot of time on that one. Tom has been uh, conspicuously absent from this conversation. I think he probably is taking a chip. He's off taking or... care of his baby. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm on mute. Nothing to add. Just because we didn't see the what film. Do you think? Or... What do you think? You in or out? Yeah, way in. This conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw half of the humans and it was oh. boring. Yes. Uh... What a hero. <laughs> we had to stop watching it. Sarah wanted to watch it and Travis, you said it was good and Sarah loves Amy Schumer. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, so we put it on and I was like kind of interested in some of the, some of the direction, like the weird shots of the house and the, what Paris was talking about, like some of the sus- suspenseful stuff. But then once I realized that like nothing was going to happen, um, I was, I was okay. pretty checked out and we got I interrupted and I, I had no interest in going back. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Stuff thank happens. You, All right. <laughs> Cool. All right. That was the humans. That was the number three pick. Uh, moving right along to the number two of the year. Tom, let's hear your number two. Uh, my number two was Don't Look Up. Oh, I thought this was going to be number one. Uh, yeah, I loved it. I watched it over Christmas with uh, with the family. It's hilarious. Um, and I really was down with all the satire, uh, didn't bother me that it was super on the nose. Like some people were talking about how, um, it was made before COVID. I don't know if that's true, but to me, it doesn't really make a difference. I mean, I, I wasn't looking for more subtlety. Um, <laughs> also something that made me like it even more is I saw a video on TikTok the other day. It's just a montage of all of the fake phone conversations that Meryl Streep improved and anytime she was walking into a scene so, so she improvs all the ones in the movies in the movie and there's like 20 or 30 total you know obviously they didn't all make it into the movie <laughs> they are hilarious if uh, if you want to check them out it's are they like worth watching. sorry are they like outtakes yeah they're outtakes oh, okay. exactly um but she is a riot um yeah, I I, uh, I loved everything about it. I liked uh, I liked Kate uh, Blanchett's character and her like over the top, vapid yes. personality. Even I mean, she's really self aware though, so that makes her more interesting. Um, Dude, I didn't and... even know it was Kate Blanchett for like the first couple scenes. Really? 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 Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was got. <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, just you she's got gorgeous. Got... Just her look or I don't know. There's something about it that just it didn't automatically just like, you know. Well, it's weird to see her in such a like um, like a done up kind of. Beautiful, basic. Basic. Yeah. 
totally basic uh, presentation. It's not, yeah, no, I swear, like the first scene or two like, of so her, classic. I didn't didn't make the connection. I was like, holy shit, that's fucking Kate Blanchett. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I can I can understand that. Um, I don't know. You guys all saw it. I don't know if you want to add anything to it. I um, yeah, I just loved it all the way through. I liked it a lot. I thought it was pretty funny, and I think anyone who takes it a little too serious or you know brings too much politics in it is just reading just it the wrong way. Yeah, Jonah yeah. Hill was great. I he did want to say because um, <laughs> Tom mentioned it. Uh, primary production on the film took place between November twentieth, or sorry, November twentieth, Jesus, November twenty twenty uh, through February twenty twenty one. So definitely. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know what that fully in about that. COVID mode. Yeah, 100%. Thank you for our resident. Well, I'm glad uh, that wasn't checker. like a. Uh, Paris. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that wasn't a, uh, a crucial um, hinge to my uh, my argument there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Don't Look Up a lot as well. Um, it's It was really funny. Like, I think a lot of the negative reaction to it has been from people who think it's like too on the nose. Like, but we live in a world where. Like you kind of have to like if you're going to be effective yeah. with your satire like you really kind of have to hit people over the head with a hammer if your goal is to try and like make people pay attention to something um but i do think the movie is a little bit um i don't know it, it's definitely from a liberal perspective in the sense of like i think adam mckay probably thinks that like he's a hero for voting for Obama like he's just that kind of guy you know what I mean and it's like you're not that much better than the people that you're making fun of bud so like settle down a little bit but it I thought it was pretty funny I think the performances are really good I think the script is is sharp um I liked it a lot more than yeah, a lot I think of people. It, I think it was fun just to see like a big cast in like a a big movie like that on Netflix oh totally yeah don't look up killer pick um, all right, Paris, what's your number two? My number two has already been mentioned. Um, it is Pig. I believe it was Tom's number 10, number eight. Um, this movie had everything. It had Nicolas Cage, who I am probably the number one fan of in the United States. It had... <laughs> We already talked a little bit about, that might have been on a break, but we talked about um, some Bake Off stuff. I love a good behind-the-scenes chef moves. Become obsessed with David Chang recently, the chef behind Momofuku. I love a good behind-the-scenes, not just pandering to the audience chef. It had one of my favorite, you know, one of my other favorite actors, the kid from Hereditary, Everything in this movie just hit. It had, from start to finish, it had one of the most, I don't want to say underrated, but one of the most low-key Nicolas Cage performances we've seen in the past 10 years, probably. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, you never know where the film was going, and everywhere it went, I was like, yes, give me more, give me more. And it had such a satisfying ending even though it's not maybe a happy one, I'm not trying to go into spoilers too much, but truly this film hit me in a way that nothing else this move this year did. Like 
This year felt like a little bit of a wash, like we talked about earlier. Didn't see much. I didn't see much in theaters. Watched a lot on TV, and anything I'm watching on TV, I'm probably have my phone out at least a little bit. This one captured me from start to finish, and the performances were amazing. Mm-hmm. It felt like we got to explore a world we normally don't, a behind-the-scenes restaurant worker world. And someone else, I believe it was Matt, mentioned earlier the scene in the restaurant where he's uh, kind of, I don't want to say shit-talking, but he's talking to the chef, like, what would you actually be serving if you really wanted to go? And he was like, I'd be an Irish pub, and this is the dish I'd be serving. And I loved that. Mm-hmm. Like, from someone who loves to cook, it just felt very, like... From the heart, it felt very authentic. Everything about this movie, I was just obsessed with. Love it. Love to hear it. There's more pig coming. Don't worry. Um, oh. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm the only person who didn't have pig on my list, right? I I suppose. I mean, technically, it's not on my list yet. Right. <laughs> Spoiler. But I think I know your next okay, two Matt. picks, Matt. With I don't know the order of them, but I think I know your two picks. Mm. Huge. Uh, anyways, pig. I. I did love Pig. I was like, you know, there was a a world where Pig was on my top 10. But uh, I think there's some really good scenes in Pig. But ultimately, I think it was, I mean, not to like discredit it because I do think it is great. But I think maybe the ending was just like, could have been a little better, you know, like the, the very end. And then like. It's a little slow throughout, but I do think there are some great scenes in it that ultimately like elevate it to something special. Travis, I'm a little surprised because to me, Pig felt like Mandy, but instead of Mandy being the one that was taken, it was the pig that was taken. Yeah, but Mandy's just way better than Pig. <laughs> 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 like, come on. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, that was Paris's number two. My number two is uh, a film that has come up before. It is Pablo Lorraine's Spencer. It's my number two of the year. I have not stopped thinking about this movie since I saw it. I found it so haunting and beautiful. And I just... Kristen Stewart gives my favorite performance of the year. I think she's amazing as Princess Diana in this movie. And I think my favorite scene of the year, besides the scene from Pig, um, where he's shitting on the guy who owns that restaurant, I love the Pearl scene in Spencer, where they're at the dinner table. It's relatively early on, and uh, she like it's like eating the pearls. It's meant to be oh, like yeah. you know like a not magical realism, but it's like that, like that scene is not actually like, it's very elevated and the way it's filmed, like everything has like a kind of dreamy, like blur. She's got to force those pearls down. Oh man. That scene is just so intense and amazing. I just, I love the use of color in this movie. I love the costuming. I love that it feels like a horror movie all the way through. I just, it's a movie that I can't wait to see again. And I think it's, it's remarkable and, and beautiful and daring and, and I loved it. So that's why I ended up at number two. Huge. Oh yeah. All right. My number two, the last nice try pick of the list, <laughs> the green Knight. 
Night, directed by David Lowery. A director who I have, I would say, struggled with a bit over the years. Um, But I think I'm coming around on him. I think my initial impression of him was, you know, like a little too try hard, a.k.a. nice try. But (laughs) if you watch his movies again or, you know, you just you get more of a feel for him, you really see what's going on there. And uh, I say that because I saw a ghost story first time in the theater was, you know, I liked it, didn't love it. Rewatch, loved it. This movie, same thing. Watched it, liked it, rewatch, loved it. So I think this guy's on to something. He's not a <laughs> hack. That was my initial impression. But uh, yeah, for me, I think uh, expectations do play a role in this movie. And um, so when you watch it again, you can um, appreciate it for what it is. And it is kind of like the anti-hero's journey. And it also has like a uh, environmentalist angle to it as well. But um, yeah, I guess the thing I liked most about it was, well, first of all, it looks incredible. Maybe not on the scale of Blade Runner, but it was given, or like Blade Runner 2049. But like, I think the the production value or just like some of the shots are almost to a level of that movie. You guys can disagree with me if you, if you want. Oh, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I just like the, the message of it. Like the, you know, like you get the vibe of his character at the beginning. He's kind of like a freeloader, you know, like a, kind of like a failure to launch type scenario. So I think it's, (laughs) it's just kind of like about like growing up and like becoming a man or becoming an adult. And, um, it's, you can't just like go out and. I don't know. It's almost like the the message of the movie was the journey. And like he was thinking his message was, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and I will be great. But like, I think he learned like what life is about and like what it is to be truly great by his journey. And his journey was ultimately like disappointing to him. But I think that was the whole point of it. Um. So yeah, love the look of it. Love the like final 20, 30 minutes or so where like his life flashes before his eyes. Um, and I liked all the little like encounters he had on his journey. They were kind of like car- compartmentalized and like separate vignettes. Um, but like each encounter was like a new like little like nugget for him to learn along the way. Mm. And bonus points because there was cream that's true yeah cream was, was <laughs> crucial crucial <spurted>. cream. <laughs> um i mean i'm glad you liked it but I, f- I found the green knight to be uh incredibly pretentious and boring and it's my most uh <laughs> why do people like this movie of the year well just like with the humans matt i would uh I would recommend you tr- give it one more shot. I just, I'm on the David Lowry as a hack train at this point. I just, Ouch. Um, I went the other way. Not interesting. <laughs> what else has he done? Uh, a Ghost Story, uh, Pete's Dragon, The Old Man and the Gun. Well, uh, what's the Terrence Matt. Malick ripoff he did? Uh, all Ain't oh, Them Body Saints. Ain't Them Saints. Body Saints. Yeah. yeah. Matt, we did see 
a ghost story together in theater as part of SIF. And I will say, walking out of that, even with David Lowry showing up and doing a little Q&A after, was not, you know, was not vibing. But I did rewatch A Ghost Story within the last year or two, and I kind of flipped on it. I really do enjoy it. I mean, I gave that movie a four. Like, I liked A Ghost Story, but that's... That's well, the movie of his that I. What I'm saying I is, like. I think that one could go up, and then if, if you will, uh, humor me and watch this one again, I think it might go up <laughs> as well. Oh, for <laughs> you, I'll give it one more shot. But it's just it's missing the emotional element for me that a ghost story has. I just I can't be bothered by these characters. <laughs> I, I, I don't care <laughs> about the people in the movie. So. <laughs> That was my biggest issue. <laughs> I can't be bothered to watch this again. <laughs> no, <laughs> on a first watch, I couldn't be bothered by the people. Um, Dev Patel, I just, I'm sorry, but people are like, oh my God, he should be the next Tom Cruise. And I'm like, who are you fucking watching? I just don't find him to be as charismatic as other people do, I guess. I, yeah, yeah, the the, the Wait, Dev Patel on. stuff is a little hyperbolic. I, I don't I will get give it. You that. I, I mean, Dev Patel is great. I don't know anyone that's calling him the next Tom Cruise, but he's people a good actor. love Dev Patel. I just <laughs> I don't get it. I like oh, yeah. him. You know, he's fine. I don't dislike Dev I mean, Patel. He's, he's like the highlight in Green Knight. I would say like visuals and then him are the highlights. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't do it for me, but good on you, mate. Nice Fair try. Enough. I love that term. It's my favorite. <laughs> All right. Let's move it on to the number one picks of the year. This is the big in. Tom, kick it off. What's your number one film of 2021? Dune. Oh, of course. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> Least surprising pick of the year. Yeah. You know, it was sitting wow. at number two for a long time, but... Um... So I gave this one four and a half stars. You didn't give one five out this whole year, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Don't look up was a five. Inside was a five. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's Um, (laughs) doing four and a half. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just breaking. I'm breaking the. I'm breaking the rules just because I think Dune for me is my number one. Not. Don't look up. I don't know how else to explain it. I, maybe I'm it's the scale. Quiet. It's just a gut Maybe feeling. it's the fact that I'm going to watch, want to rewatch it a million times. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's the fact that I'm pre-watching the rewatch at a six. I don't know. Yeah, dude. Um, but <laughs> I've read the book at least two times all the way through, um, and I love it. And uh, the the movie, to my recollection, is remarkably true to the book and I thought it did just like X's and O's wise did a really, really good job of um, communicating to an audience that by and large has not read the book. Uh, what, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Paris, you've started reading it. It's got like, it's got like yeah. a 15 page index at the start, like a glossary of terms that you have to, the first 50 pages of the book takes like six hours to read because you're going back and forth from the glossary. Yeah. And each, <laughs> and each chapter starts with like a, uh, a pulled section from a quote diary of someone. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ruin it, but that feels also very like it was very well done in the movie. So I felt like read, reading the book would have been confusing had I not seen the movie first. Yeah. Um, 
I, I still think it's true that at least first time around, it doesn't, I, I think it's too confusing to understand and contextualize like what is going on and, and how, whether that's a good ending point or not. Um, I don't know. It's just hard to wrap your, around, your head around like what, what the fuck is going on in this universe. Um, but uh, I love the costumes. I like the performances all around. I didn't think there was like a, a huge standout moment, but I wasn't really expecting that knowing how the, the, the story goes. And um, I don't know. I think Denny's um, directorship is actually pretty um, restrained. Uh, like Arrival, I also think I pegged it four and a half stars the first time I watched it. But they stick with you, and just tonally, they are so precise and um, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds great. It looks great. It did everything I wanted it to do in terms of uh, staying true to the story, and uh, really excited for... Are they for sure doing one more movie, or are they thinking three movies? Uh, I believe one. I believe the intention was for it to be two films. Yeah. Wow. Of the main book, right? Because I think they're just breaking just the up first the book. first book into two, and then I'm sure if it does well, they might do more. Yeah, Moss Dune. It's gonna be it's gonna be big. Oh yeah, the next Star Wars. <laughs> so much better than Star Wars, the Dune universe. It's rated R Star Wars. Honestly, whoa, I wouldn't go whoa, that far. Whoa. I think that you guys is, haven't dude. read the books, Travis and Matt, and until you read them, I don't know how to read. Uh, read the book, bud. I don't know what you think you're doing there. Uh, <laughs> Get him, Matt. <laughs> Great book, Matt, but <laughs> Matt knows how to read, but he doesn't know how to like interpret from what he's reading. Travis just doesn't know how to read. So you guys uh, are he knows how to read, but he doesn't incapable know how to Incapable of interpretation. Oh my God, how dare you. So That's all Matt does. <laughs> Matt doesn't know how to read. That's love. all I do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. All right. Uh, Dune, it's good stuff. All right, Paris, let's hear your number one. My number one was also the last 2021 movie I watched. It was nine days. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I was shooketh. Um, <laughs> Matt recommended this movie to me when I was like, hey, like, I'm kind of having a hard time. Like, I feel like my top 10 is not really full. Like, can you recommend any movies to me? And I gave him a list and he was like, actually, I, I gave this list to all three, actually, all three of the other hosts. And uh, Matt was like, this isn't on your list, but you should watch nine days. And I chose that above everything else that was on my list. And I'm really glad I did because obviously it's my number one pick. We already talked about it a little bit, so I'm not going to go too in depth. But this movie has everything I liked. Um, I really do relate it to the Pixar soul, um, except it was like the adult version. It was both small scale in that it takes place in uh, the settings, very few settings. And the acting is very... um, is very low-key but the story is expansive and that it's essentially souls competing to see who can be alive on earth and what an interesting concept and just like soul it encapsulated me or encaptured me whatever the word is um enraptured whatever in that it takes 
what it means to be alive and breaks it down into simple, beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spoil it, but something I loved about the ending is that it's so unexpected. And it is one of the few movies that made me sob this year. I'm I'm a crier, but really this year didn't have a ton of that. It had a lot of tension without a lot of emotional payoff. And this one really was all emotion and just shook me to my core. And I loved it. All right, I got to ask real quick. Um, full disclosure for me, at least. I watched it late one night on a Friday because I think we were going to originally record this on Saturday a, morning. Another yes. Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, last... I actually watched it at the exact same time, Travis. Last minute cram jam. Yes. First time I watched it, it may have had to do with it being, you know, the end of the week and me being tired, but uh, a little confusing. I didn't... I kind of missed... I don't know. I just feel like it It wasn't, it was kind of hard to get what it was going for until like the second half. Really? And so I was a little bit reserved the first watch, but I was also like, I don't know. There was something there for me to like go back to it. Mm-hmm. And I had the rental. We canceled the pod. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this fucker again before it expires. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I, I watched it Saturday morning and that's what really did it for me. But the first watch I was like, I don't know. I th- It does kind of just like throw you into the premise or concept. And if you're not like mm-hmm. really keying into what's going on, I feel like you can get a little lost with some of its logic along the way. But maybe that's just me and my tiny brain. I think that's totally fair. I think that um, I had watched the trailer beforehand because, like I said, this was literally the last 2021 film I watched literally the same time that you did, like, the Friday before we were going to record the next day at 8 a.m. But I think that already going into it with that kind of brief, like, okay, it's something to do with the afterlife or something like that like having already having that knowledge and going into it it just really a lot of it is left up to interpretation that's for sure it really really doesn't explain a lot i I think it does touch on like multiple multiple aspects of just like you know being alive or whatever like there's like aspects of like judging how people decide to live their lives there's like right the like whole aspect of like a second chance there's like I, yeah there's like the whole aspect of like being a good person or like living life to its fullest there's like so totally. many little like aspects of just like the human or you know life experience yeah that, um i think that's what makes this movie great it's just like all of the different like themes it's going for because I do think it's going for like multiple, like it's like multiple themes within like a a larger theme. Mm-hmm. Like the totally, the, and I the feel main like theme kind of has... is you know life or like human experience. But there's like so many little aspects or like different aspects of that theme throughout the movie. Totally, and I feel like it kind of has the same vibe as like the Tree of Life or Boyhood, where it's it's about the small 
or even Soul, like the Pixar that came out that came out last year, like it's about like the small moments in life that make life meaningful and joyous and wanting to like experience life. Those are the moments that are the most important. And I felt like that was kind of the message of the movie. And that's really like, I don't know, not to get too philosophical or whatever, but that's kind of like how I like think about life as a whole and I don't know, it just really, it was really beautiful. And like I said, it was one of the very few movies that made me genuinely sob this year. Like when he does the soliloquy at the end, I just, I was fucking crying. And Kurt hadn't come in in the beginning, but he watched most of it with me. And even he was like touched and he was like, he basically only saw the end part. And he was like, I really want to watch this movie with you. Like, I think it's just it's engaging in a very interesting way and i also love how the ending isn't necessarily what you'd expect oh totally i think my favorite thing about the movie is that you could almost call it cynicism because one of the the themes of the film is that like some people are just like too delicate too good. to live just too yeah you're too soft dog like there's a character early on who's just like so sweet and so naive Aww. and he gets you know <laughs> spoilers but he gets yeah. he gets nixed pretty early and it's just like yeah. man but th- uh, there's the whole the whole thing about how he uh uh his character what's the actor's name um the main the main character um, winston duke Yes, Winston Duke. He he. It, it's made uh, explicit that he is like the only one who like goes out of his way to like give these souls like a moment, you know, before they leave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, there's there's multiple of him, but he like goes the extra mile with his like practice of like choosing, you know. He because he is so sensitive and wants these souls to have that one beautiful experience that makes life worth living. Right. Cause he knows that they don't, they're never going to, they're not going to have that opportunity. Cause basically they, the gist is like, if you're not, not chosen, like you just, <laughs> you never exist. Like you just, you go off and you know, you float off into the ether, whatever it is. But yeah. So such, such a beautiful film. And uh, it's one that I'm excited to revisit. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad you loved it as much as you did, Paris. That's that's rad. I did. I'm like almost crying like with us just oh, talking about it. It's like so it's good. really it really got me. <laughs> For sure. Um cool. Well, my number one film of the year, uh might have guessed it by now, but it is it is Pig. I Pig got me hook, line, and sinker. Uh, it was number one for basically the whole year, and I was toying with nine days being number one, but ultimately Landed on Pig. Um, I just think... So, Nick Cage and Kristen Stewart, the two of them, give my, my favorite performances of the year. I think this is Nick Cage's best performance since Adaptation 20 years Agreed. ago. Uh, he's just so remarkable. Like, as much as I love, like, Nick Mandy. Cage doing the most... No. As much <laughs> as I love, like, Nick Cage, like, just going for it, like, I'm always going to lean towards understated like emotional Nick Cage and something that we haven't really talked about I think part of what makes Pig so effective is its subversion of expectations the whole way through because 
Nick Cage is not a a big man, you know. Like I I think he's like he's like six feet tall or something, right? But I don't know if he's wearing like that's a pretty suit. big. Well, there's something about his character in this movie that I don't know if, if he put on like some weight or muscle or what, but he's very imposing and intimidating in this movie. But his character couldn't be further from that, you know, like he's so understated and he's just the whole movie is constantly like subverting your expectations of like what he is as a person and who He's going, you know, like his actions and it's just so he's so sweet and tender, but also just like he is intimidating at the end of the day. Like his perspective is what makes him intimidating. And I just I love what this movie has to say about about life and and culture and, and pursuit of happiness. Like, I just think it's so awesome and beautifully filmed awesome performances so many amazing moments and especially at the end of the movie like there's a there's like a dinner sequence without being too specific that oh it's yeah just so the way it's constructed is just so amazing and heartfelt and tender and i love that the movie ends with nick cage's character listening to that like pre-taped uh david bowie cover from his his wife the, who passed early on the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it's on. not David Bowie. It's Bruce Springsteen. The the, the Bruce Springsteen yeah. cover. Oh, it's so fucking good. Love. I love Pig. I can't wait to watch Pig again. I wanted to watch it again just to see if like truly solidify my thoughts on it. I didn't get around to it, but absolutely love Pig and uh, was uh, ended up being my number one film of the year. Pig is great. Are you excited for A Quiet Place Part Three, Matt? can't wait it's gonna be amazing <laughs> i can't believe that motherfucker signed off for that wait what gotta, gotta get that jobber status michael uh michael is Nicolas Sarnesky. cage in no no, no the, the, the writer director. and director of pig oh, signed on I thought, to do quiet i thought place jim wrote and directed a quiet place he directed the first one and Didn't the second one yeah well, he wrote didn't, he didn't write the one. first one, right? Direct wrote and directed the second one, and then he's not directing the third one. I don't know who's writing it, but barf. So you're saying our favorite direct auteur is becoming a jobber? Yeah, as mm-hmm. they all do. Chloe Zhao, uh, Taiko Waititi, fucking Taiko Waititi uh, rules. He will never be a jobber. Well, Hard, I mean, no. he's just doing Marvel shit now. Oh, it's about time. He's to turn... great. He is so no, no, good it's, in. It's Thor about Ragnarok. time to turn the tide he... on Taika. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is a conversation for a different episode. <laughs> Tune in for the Patreon. Only ninety nine dollars per month. But... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Entry level tier, ninety nine dollars a month. <laughs> um. All right, Travis. Let's hear it. Bring it home. What's your number one? All right. Any guesses? What do we got here? I'll give you one guess each. Um, let's see. You did Lamb. You did Red Rocket. Don't do any research. Just is it Spencer? Is it Spencer? Spencer. Anyone else? Bueller. I have no idea. She's frantically trying to get. I was I was researching until Travis said, "Don't research." (laughs) You guys nailed it. It is Spencer. Spencer. Hell yeah! I forgive you. 
Wow. You know what? Truly a nice try. I love it. You know what? <laughs> First time watch, <laughs> or uh, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, no shot. Spencer's even no making the top shot, 10. No shot, right? <laughs> Not even making the top wow. 10, let alone the number yeah. one spot. Wow. And I will even add to that. First time I watched it, it was, you know, it was it was good, but didn't really wow me. But I'm going to blame myself for that one. And uh, gave it a second chance. And boy, did it wow me on a rewatch. <laughs> yeah, dude, let's hear it. Rewatch was huge. Now we're talking best looking movie of the year, mm-hmm. best score of the year, mm-hmm. and best mm-hmm. performance of the year. Yes. Bar none. The hat trick. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, it's got that like fart house vibe to it, you know, going into it. You're just thinking fart free pass. <laughs> free pass. Looks great. It's about Princess Diana. K Stu's getting all the the accolades. It's just nothing really that, happens in it, but destined you know. to be great. Oh. And a you classic could, Travis. <laughs> I wanted to dislike this movie, to be honest. <laughs> but I yeah, I don't know. Second watch just sang to me. Like her character, fuck the real life Princess Diana. Don't even care about her. <laughs> the character in Spencer, amazing. <laughs> you love <Right>? f- fictional <laughs> Princess Diana. Couldn't give a fuck about the real woman who was murdered by the crown well but. i think the first time i watched it i was like trying to like figure it out you know and like Conspiracy. piece together Not just that her she was story murdered by the crown. i was trying to piece together her story and her <laughs> her whereabouts and her you know everything but second watch i was like i don't even care we're just gonna watch it for what it is and yeah i think it's just a movie about like identity and trying to like hold on to like yourself and the the royal family is pushing this like tradition and like all this bullshit on her and she's pretty independent and like tries to defy all of that like there's just so many good scenes in regards to that like mm-hmm. what she wears like when and what she eats and what she's doing and like there's just like so many good scenes of that and she's always like kind of like you know she's a she's a rage against the machine oh yeah dude and how okay. good is, how good okay. is peter pettigrew in this movie he's so good so good <laughs> uh is that the, like the butler guy no, the yeah, the butler the, like, that's like working for the guy. queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, He's, like, the, the sky. guy from uh, Harry Potter, the... dog Peter Pettigrew. He was Ron's rat in Harry Potter, yeah. and then he transfigures into Peter Pettigrew, who is actually working for the Dark Lord the whole time. Sure. Are we talking Travis? about the Keep uh, up. the possum guy? The possum guy? No, that's Sean Harris. That he's the <laughs> chef. No, he's yes, great I'm... too. Yeah, okay, our boy Sean Harris. Deserves like his own movie. Like I hope he is coming up strong. But you're talking about the guy who like catches her while she's eating, stuffing her face with the cake and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, The butler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he was great. Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew. Sure. Aren't you a Harry Harry Potter? Potter. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Uh, yeah, he was great in it. But I I did also like Sean Harris quite a bit too. Like the whole like military vibe aspect of the 
the kitchen. Plus Amazing. the inside, the <laughs> kitchen confidential vibes. Love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. Also, uh, some Phantom Thread vibes at the beginning with the uh, some of the landscapes and the mm-hmm. driving, some of the music. Um, like Matt said, the uh, the Pearl scene is great. Any of the, like, horrific scenes, not that they're, like, full-on horror, but, like, they have, like, a horror vibe When to she them. almost falls down the stairs, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. Oh, yeah, where Maria, the Marie Antoinette ghost shows up. Oh, man. Love that stuff. Not and Marie yeah. Antoinette, Anne Boleyn. Right, sorry. Yep, that stuff, yeah. Very historical. different. Well, because yeah. you guys, you guys, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys know, like, the story of Anne Boleyn, right? Yeah, there's that there's uh, there's a yes. reason why there's they parallels. chose right because okay, she was assassinated okay. by the crown. Like, that's very different from <laughs> Marie Antoinette. Like we need to talk about this. Marie Antoinette was murdered by like the French Revolution. That's a very different right. Let them meet story. And right, and Anne Boleyn, which she didn't was actually say, but that's a different by the king Henry, right? Henry the fiftieth or whatever fucking Henry it was. Henry the eighth. I don't know. You know Henry the eighth. I am. Henrys I am. are there. Too the many Henrys. The Tudors. Isn't that that horny show from Showtime? Henry yeah, the it's about Henry the eighth. Oh, I don't and care. Anne Boleyn and Catherine and all of his wives. I don't care about a motherfucker named Henry. Name one good Henry ever. Book of Henry? Didn't you like Never the saw movie? It, you oh, know, Book yeah. of Henry was huge. All right, you <laughs> yeah. got me. Didn't you like I was making a joke, but way to make me look a fool. The Book of Henry, yes. Um, well, Spencer I've, I've mostly said what I need to say about Spencer, but um, I do also love the title. I think it plays into the movie very well. Yep. Um, just how she's like trying to be her own person and... Um, like everyone is so focused on every move and decision she makes and like even when she goes into that being watched yeah even when she goes into that diner she's like almost like an alien at that diner like everyone's Mm -hmm. looking at her like she's some otherworldly being but yet she's like you know it, it all goes back to like her just like trying to be herself or claim some of herself and feel like a normal person yeah, like, and then this imposing, like, royal family that's, like, trying to dictate and watch her every move and just watching her, like, deal with that and, like, push up against it, I thought was great. Like, even, like, the moment when she, like, picks a different uh, outfit to wear for a certain occasion and, um, I, yeah, I don't know. There's so many, like, and good little scenes. that basically causes a scandal? Wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, there's so many good little scenes that just, like, play into... Um, like what she's going through. But yeah, like I do think this movie looks incredible. Like the exterior shots of this and just the way they film the the inside, like the interior of the mansion and all that, it just, it looks amazing. Yep. Good shit. All right, we did it. That's the top 10, top 10 films of the year. Lots of, lots of picks. Not a, not a ton of overlap. That was pretty cool between all of us mm-hmm. um real quick let's just go around uh some honorable mentions you know if there's something you feel like you want to throw out there uh now's the time to do so uh let's just go in the same order we've been going in tom any honorable mentions you want to throw out there yeah i'd like to acknowledge the six movies that i half watched <laughs> this year <laughs> for one reason or another 
Uh, Power of the Dog. Sarah and I were both so over you about 45 minutes in that we just turned you off and watched The Green Knight instead. <laughs> the humans, I have spoken to Space nice Jam. You, you are trash. <laughs> I turned you off after 20 minutes. Oh Never look back. <laughs> Shang-Chi. Uh, not interested. Was not enjoying it. was perfectly fine for what it was. For what it was, I guess. I I don't know. I'm just not like a set piece person. Uh, So somebody was like, what about, someone was like, what about the bus scene? And I was like, who cares? Um, Other than that, I felt like it was pretty pretty generic. Wow. Pretty like run of the mill. I was over it. Uh, Birds of Prey. I saw like 10 or 15 minutes. The first part where they like get to the island. Um, or was that? Uh, no, that's not Suicide that was, Squad. Uh, is that Suicide Squad. About? That's right. Yeah, Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Yes, important. Didn't care. And Lamb. <laughs> uh, kind of with cared. Matt. <laughs> I was bored, but then once we started to see more of the baby, I was like, okay. I so I had to turn it off right where. Um, okay, I guess I shouldn't do a spoiler. There's a moment with the brother. So it's like the first thing he goes and tries to do, or seems like he's about to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I had to turn it off. Uh, so I was like, I was pretty intrigued. And at that point I still wasn't sure if I was sold on this whole, like lamb baby, um, <laughs> as whether it was a ridiculous laughable, I can't take this seriously thing or I'm a hundred percent in. My closest parallel to Lamb is probably um, uh, what's that movie with uh, Natalie Portman from a few years ago when they went into the weird uh, bubble? Annihilation? Or, annihilation. Uh, annihilation, yeah. I was like, it, it had an Annihilation vibe for me in, in terms of like, do, am I enjoying this or not? Um, but after hearing Matt talk about it more, I, I'm not going to finish watching it. <laughs> so, Love to hear it. That's it. Those are the movies I didn't watch. Nice. Didn't finish anyway. Uh, Paris, any honorable mentions? Yes. Um, I would like to give a shout out first to the other three Marvel movies that rated a four and a half or higher this year. That would be Shang-Chi, Black Widow, and Eternals. I will not be taking any questions or comments at this time. Um, and then I, I wanted to give a shout out to a couple of movies that haven't had any mentions this year, um, that would be Nobody with, uh, you know, my boy, Bob Odenkirk. While this was a forgettable movie, it was a fun action romp. And um, has anyone else watched this? No, I never caught up. Have not. I actually think that Matt, Travis, maybe Tom, would be a fan of this. And I would recommend a watch on it. Um, Kurt was a big old fan. Happily with, um, you know... My boy, Joel McHale, and then other people, I guess, um, was really funny, very tense. It fit in with the theme of the movie, which was high tension with low stakes. Uh, I don't want to ruin it, but definitely worth a watch as well. Free Guy was one of the few movies I watched in theaters. Do want to give a shout out to those? I watched Dune, Free Guy, um, Licorice Pizza, and... uh, something else that i can't remember sorry oh candy man the, in theaters 
Those are the movies you risked your life for? I did risk my life for Licorice Pizza, Candyman, Zola, and... What did I say? Free Guy. Free Guy. <laughs> Free Guy. Uh, those three or four I wish I risked my life for. I did not get COVID this year, so shout out to them for not giving me COVID. Um, <laughs> Want to give a small shout out to False Positive for adding to the theme of don't get pregnant this year. Well, the movie was fine. It definitely fit in with the theme. And then uh, that's that's it. That's it for me. Cool. Uh, I'll run through uh, my honorable mentions. Uh, as I already mentioned, Shiva Baby and Together Together were the five-star films that uh, did not make the cut. So big shout out to them. Uh, I did get a chance to see Parallel Mothers, the new Almodovar film. Uh, loved it. Didn't quite make the cut. Not as good as Pain and Glory, but Almodovar, Jesus, Almodovar is a hero. Love that guy. Um, Coda, I liked a lot. Little twee, maybe. Nice core. Very sentimental, but yeah, so nice. Love it. <laughs> uh, Saint Maud. I flirted with putting Ayo. Saint Maud at that number 10 spot. Nine Days was the one that knocked... St. Maude off the list. That ending is a oh, banger. Man. It's huge. St. Maude. Makes the whole movie. Uh, Zola's in the mix. Mitchell and the Machines was my number 17. Uh, the Lost Daughter I really liked. It's uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. Found it good. to be spectacular. Uh, Derek Delgadio's in and of itself. Arguably not a movie, but... Get uh, real. Loved it. <laughs> one of the most I impactful. didn't mention that because it was... I thought that was last year, but I love that one. You know I do. Oh, yeah. Where would it have been? Gut call. If, if you put it on... I mean, if Inside makes a list... Where yeah, is it would have been four. Oh, hell yeah. All right. You heard it here first. In and of itself. Tom's number four film of the year. Uh, rounding out my honorable mentions, Malignant. What a fucking fun movie Malignant is. It's amazing. Travis, bring it home. I'll name a few. Um, yep, St. Maud was definitely right there. Uh, Riders of Justice, that has not been mentioned yet. Oh, I think yeah. that movie is a lot of fun. Um, a little more fun than you might think. There's like a aspect of like chance or just, you know, like these like weird ways these, you know, things happen in the universe um, that just adds another element to the movie. I do also think it's pretty fun and has like a couple fun characters um, that you wouldn't really expect in it. Because I, I think it's generally being sold or viewed as just like a, like a, maybe like a John Wick style revenge movie or even like Taken. But um, there's definitely more going on and I would recommend checking it out it's it's a lot of fun um beyond that you guys have mentioned most of them i did actually like power of the dog quite a bit um it's maybe a little simple but i think it did what it did very well and i thought the ending was great and really paid off and um somewhat controversial controversial um so that's why i'll mention it is no sudden move directed by steven Soderbergh. Hmm. uh liked it quite a bit it's got like a crime almost like heist element to it that i enjoyed i think most people are hung up on the lens choices because there's like some fisheye lenses that he uses that makes some scenes look a little off 
Um, but yeah, I liked all the performances, like the like through line of it. There it, there are some really good performances slash characters in it. Like uh, Brandon Fraser's great in it. Bill Duke has a small performance that's great. Don Cheadle's great in it. Um, I think it's still on HBO, so I would recommend that if you guys haven't would checked you say it out that's, yet. Would you say that's better than Power of the Dog? Because I know those were the top two like westerny um, type movies this year. I wouldn't really say No Sad Move is a Western. Power of the Dog definitely has a Western vibe, but it's almost like an anti-Western, just with some of its like themes and what it's going for. Are you thinking of The Harder They Fall, Paris? Is that the one you're thinking of? Because that's Maybe. a Western. Which I also, I also didn't see that one either. But. What was no that was Sudden also move? pretty good. No Sad Move is like an action movie. Not an action movie, but it's like a... It's like a crime thriller with... Um, it's like set in the, I want to say, like 50s, maybe. I was thinking of Harder They Fall. I apologize. <laughs> nice. No Sun Move is one I was flirting with watching, but. Didn't I don't think it would make anyone's top 10 list on this episode, but I do think it was worth a watch at least. Nice. Very cool. Is that the end of your honorable mentions? Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. All right. Well, we're going on pretty long. Let's go ahead uh, and wrap things up. We've got some awards to give out, as we always do. Um, not as many as we've done in years past, but we had. There's some awards that just had to be given out. So that's what we're going to be doing here. First award that we're giving out this year. It is the Hot Dog Garbage Award. This is the <laughs> the film that uh, is the consensus worst film of the year. We all contributed a nominee mm. to this category. Uh, we haven't settled on a loser yet, though I have some ideas. Um, the nominees for the Hot Dog Garbage Award are Safer at Home, Space Jam Legacy, Reminiscence, and The Matrix Resurrections. So those are the nominees. Uh, don't want to go on too long on this. Um, I was thinking, I, haven't, I didn't see it, but I was thinking Space Jam is probably the winner here. But I can't uh, vote for Space Jam because as an avid uh, Space Jam original, watcher i love that movie and therefore gave the second movie a four whoa so i cannot so be a part of that yeah i mean i i didn't i would say it's a four in the enjoyable category and a zero in the quality category <laughs> but that's how i like to watch my movies if they're trash at least they're enjoyable I would vote for Matrix over Space Jam, but I just want to put my vote out there. Oh, woof. I knew this was coming. No shot. Are you guys going to... You're not going to... Are you? Guys, are we giving the Matrix the hot dog garbage <laughs> award? Because that's what it sounds like. I um, thought Space Jam was horrible <laughs> and not enjoyable. But you didn't finish it, Tom. It gets that's better. That's because it was unwatchable. Okay, so Algae <laughs> Rhythm is trash, but... But... By the time, okay, before yeah, we the get the entire to this, plot of the movie. Before is we get to this, trash. before we get to this, how did everyone feel about the original Space Jam? Do you have nostalgia for it? Do you love oh, yeah. it? Big Do you time. hate yeah. it? Had the soundtrack, because had the boxers, then, then, then it all. Travis, 
then Travis, I'm ignoring what Matt says, but then Travis, like, how do you not have some kind of love for the second movie? It just felt like a uh, a gash crab. <laughs> a gash crab indeed. No, I will be honest. I will be honest. I watched this movie once and I was not sober. I don't know. I, I've I never feel been the like that benefited of, the movie to a fault. I, I've never been the biggest fan of LeBron. He's had a tremendous career, sure, whatever. It just felt so forced. And like I thought the story was dog shit. And then, like, just, like, the sentimental moments that they tried to create with, like, him and his son wasn't buying it for a second. There wasn't any, like, clever, fun moments with the actual Looney Tunes. It just felt like, yeah, like, just no creativity in it. Just, like, uh, hey, let's let's make a Space Jam So I'll give that to you. However, many people, (laughs) many people who are Gen X, a little bit older than us, criticize Space Jam for being purely commercial because they have a lot of sponsored ads because it was literally based on a commercial that Michael Jordan did with Bugs Bunny. It, it, it is critis- The original cr- Space Jam is criticized for the exact same things. And Well, when did I, that come out? Let's see. Like 95? Yeah, eight-year-old Travis could give a fuck about. But that that's what I'm saying. Like I've watched I, the nostalgia <laughs> that I have for the original Space Jam colored my view on this new Space Jam a lot. I'm not saying we shouldn't put it in the literal dumpster garbage category, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, but, but like just just because it's related to the original doesn't make it great. This is like the argument for like no, Hangover that's Part saying, Two. That's you know? why I'm saying Hangover, okay, part, Hangover two part Two is trash. Is dog okay. shit. Okay, that's what I'm saying. All I, I I was trying to say is that's what colored my view. I don't think that's what should color everyone's view. I will not be upset if we put it in the literal dumpster garbage category <laughs> i'm just saying that is what colored it to a four for me it made me mad that's all i'm saying it made me nostalgic that's that's <laughs> what i'm trying to push yeah, i wanted that feeling but i, I got nostalgic opposite. and all of the badness of it i loved like you know how in the original they were like michael jordan lives in a regular suburban street unrealistic and they were like the new Nope, person. never thought that once as an eight-year-old was totally buying <laughs> into the movie. Okay, okay. So I, that was way more time than I thought we would spend on, <laughs> on the hot dog garbage award. But um, I'm the only one who saw Safer at Home. I can say confidently it's objectively the worst of these movies, but... No one else saw it. Yeah, Matt. So, the fact that you watched that movie—not my idea. <laughs> uh, that was that a maybe pick. makes you the hot dark garbage award. <laughs> yeah. Truly an awful film. Should we should we add Matt as a nominee? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> um, reminiscence. Did anybody but Paris see reminiscence? Did not. No. So honestly, good for you guys. It was bad. Don't watch it. Even at, even at this award, like I don't even want to add it to the category. It was bad. Well, I think it's one of those movies where you're intrigued, but once you watch it, it's everyone's for the majority. Everyone's saying it is hot dog garbage. So. It had all the things I like: time travel, interesting uh, dystopian futures, and then it had all the things I hated: bad writing, bad script. 
bad plot, bad acting. So hmm. I don't think it even needs to be in this category. It just shouldn't have been watched by me or anyone. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Well, so I feel like it's between The Matrix and Space Jam. I mean, I'm the only one who liked Matrix. So obviously three people have, hating a movie should count for something. I have way more interest in Matrix Resurrections than I do Space Jam, though. That's fair. Even interest in pooping on it? <laughs> interest in pooping on it, though. Or maybe more a higher possibility of maybe I finding mean, something to uh, like on rewatch. Is that your, yes, the implication. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, had we done a feature on Space Jam, we would have fucking slaughtered that movie. So, that well, at least Tom and I. Would I feel like you slaughtered Matrix, <laughs> but it's fine. I am the outlier, so as no, I was not. My ears were open podcast, to Matthews. <laughs> as the person that's not normally Agenda. on this podcast, I will take the the hit and say Space Jam. All right. Well, All right. even though I think Matrix Matrix is worse. All right. Well, that that does it then. So the hot dog garbage award goes to space jam legacy. Congratulations. Honestly, to, uh, we should LeBron. just give it to, to Warner brothers, right? Fuck Warner brothers. I oh think yeah. Those are both screwed. The Honestly, since year. they both came out in theaters and on HBO max, which is Warner brothers. I think Warner brothers can suck a fat cock. <laughs> there you go. Space jam resurrections. The winner of the hot dog garbage award. Good shit. All right, moving on. Let's do uh, <laughs> let's do literal roller coaster award next. So this is uh, another uh, inside joke coined by Travis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the literal roller Dunkirk. coaster award. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Dunkirk. Historically, this goes to whatever Christopher Nolan film uh, has come out that year. But seeing as how we did not have a Christopher Nolan film this year. Um, the nominees for the literal roller coaster award uh, this year, where'd my list go? Uh, nominees would be Titan, Zola. Um, these are out of order in our text thread here. Titan, Zola, Malignant, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Tenant. It's the fourth, uh, the fourth nominee here. Uh, technically, really, technically resident, didn't come out this year. Resident but. nominee. <laughs> Tenet is just such a good film. For those who don't remember, it was my number one film of 2020. So such a no, an amazing. No, it was not. Yeah, it was. <laughs> my number one film. Wait, are you pretending to be Travis? It was not really your number no. one. No, Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things was my number two film of 2000. That was your number two? Yeah. Crazy. Huge. Um, <laughs> but I feel like the winner, it's got to be Malignant, right? I mean, that movie is just fucking insane. So many twists and turns. You never know what's going to happen next in that film. Uh, yeah, I would definitely. I, I don't feel strongly about any of these choices. It was kind of a weak year. Not for a great nominee. roller coasters. Yeah, <laughs> not a, not a ton of uh, good nominees for literal roller coaster, but. But um, I'll give it to you. It definitely had some good twists and turns, and that's what you're looking for in a roller coaster. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Full of twists and turns. Couple drops. 
Oh, that's a huge <laughs> drop in Malignant. Um, any objections to Malignant winning the literal roller coaster award there? No. <laughs> Tom's ready to go take a nap, or I don't know what he's got going on. But Dad's checked out. Um, all right. I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> All right, the final award, and it's our favorite. It's the Cream Dream Supreme, Supreme. Award. This is the most visually stunning Easy. film of the year. If this Look doesn't go out. to Dune, I'm going to fucking quit. I it's not. It's not. Spoilers. Yeah, it's not, not going to Dune. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the nominees, nominees ah! are Dune, The French Dispatch, Spencer, and... I don't even remember what's the fourth one. We came up with the fourth one. Green Knight. Green Knight. Green Knight's the fourth one. Um, it's fucking Spencer, right? It's gotta be Spencer. No way. No way. No way if it is not Dune. Oh, we got a tie. I have a hard time. (laughs) Okay, so I want to speak for Tom a little bit here, and Tom, please correct me. Let him speak for himself. (laughs) But no, no, no. I will speak for Tom, and then Tom can speak for for himself. <laughs> for both Tom and I, Dune was a four and a half star film that made it into our top ten up above other five star films. And I will say that the reason Dune is so high up is because visually it is stunning. A classic Denny Villeneuve of small person, big scale, just like just like any of his other sorry i've got the hiccups um just like any of his other films it is phenomenal it is one of the best movies of the of the year because it is visually perfect it is on a on a scale that no one has heard of since star wars i know i keep hiccuping i'm sorry um it is a phenomenon to be said seeing it in IMAX was probably probably the best decision I made all year 10 out of 10 Dune should win all right well that's uh Paris's and Tom's thoughts on on Dune um honestly I'd uh, just Tom for the is sake of free to you know say his actual thoughts but for the sake of time I just want to give it I think we should just give it to Dune because I, I I'm not gonna die on this hill I will say though the sandworm Spongebob did it better that's the last thing I'll say what I haven't seen Spencer so everybody else has seen it you, you, I've seen you Spencer to... and it's beautiful but it's not as grand but Looks I made it amazing. I mean, it was Not my number one. It, it was Matt's number two, and there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. The oh my god, just the the fuzz, the 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 dread, the scene of her in that dress and the on the bathroom floor, incredible. Okay, but that's only beautiful because mm. it's also the poster. Dune has <laughs> literal planet yeah, but, changes. Mm. I can't. I can't. I'm speaking sand. for Tom also here when it's I say that the scale of Dune, <laughs> the, the scale of Dune yeah. is Go watch monumental. Lawrence and Arab- Arabia, all right? Fucking yeah. Tatooine. When you, I see, mean, when you see the maw, the mouth, the gaping jaw of the sandworm about to envelop 
that person that I won't tell the name of because I don't want to spoil it. But like when you see that huge mouth with all of the teeth and you realize how big the sandworms actually are. 10 out of 10. Listen, Visuals that was that was topped. ripped from a better film called The Meg starring Jason Statham. OK, that I shot literally was a direct with you. rip. The off. Meg was the worst movie. OK, can I? I my dad saw The Meg in 4D in in that he was in a theater that was completely empty and he got water poured on his face and he still didn't like The Meg that much, a.k.a. Dune wins. All right. Well, like I said, I don't want to die on this hill, so I'm willing to give it to Dune. But for the record, the real ones out uh, there now, it's Spencer, right? Travis. Yeah, I'm not. I'm Spencer. not gonna. I mean, we've gone long, so I'm not gonna try and make a case for Spencer. I would die on that hill, though, for yes. the record. Yeah. Given <laughs> given more time, uh, I will I die would by being die eaten by a sandworm. <laughs> that Dune was better. Yes, but. But I, I'm sitting in a completely pitch black room because it's fucking dark where I am and I don't have any lights on. So I'm just Spencer was exquisite Dune. I expected that of Dune because of like the budget and Denny, you know, he's got the whole Blade Runner Small thing working behind vibes. him. Yeah. <laughs> but Spencer, we're talking new heights, baby. The it fact that Tom dream. hasn't seen Spencer means that he prioritized Dune. Means nothing. Therefore, yeah, biggest <laughs> movie of the year. All right, it's I, Dune right, does whatever. look cool. again. Still speaking I on behalf see. of Tom. <laughs> All right, fine. I got to pee. We're at four hours. For the sake of Tom's yeah, bladder, I will concede. Uh, fuck. All right. Yikes. The Cream Dream Supreme Award goes to controversially. Uh, well, let's put an asterisk next to this one. Dune, 2021. No, 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 <laughs> This is, this is no, the Barry no, Bonds no. of the Cinephiles <laughs> Digest. There's an asterisk no, no, next no. to this one. Um, oh, yeah. Denny was juicing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. That's going to conclude the uh, uh, Cinephiles Digest Awards. We never have really come up with a good name for our award ceremony, but the Creamies? Yeah. That's not. Ew. I like it and I love it, but it's not specific enough. Ew. I like it and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> That's a new award. That Next year, we got to do the I, I like I it like and it. I love it. I like it and I love it. <laughs> I like it, I love it, and I want some more of it. The award Oh, goes my to God. <laughs> um very cool all right that's episode 102 that's the best of 2021 thank you everybody thank you paris for doing this with us it was uh yeah. awesome having you added tacked on an extra hour oh. to the normal run yeah time, talk about some huge. fucking content yeah that was amazing all right um that's gonna do it thank you everybody so much for listening we've been doing this piece of shit podcast for five years now guys can you believe it five years ago is our first wow. episode this is amazing we're still here we're still doing it we're gonna continue to do it uh don't know what episode 103 will be maybe uh some fucking marry me action maybe some uh some jackass forever perhaps Batman? The Batman? We'll see. Time. Depends on the timing, but uh, it's not the last we'll be hearing from us, so thank you everybody for listening. That's going to do it. 
Bye. Bye. Thank you. Better down.